going like now? Mm-hmm. Oh. The Joe Rogan Experience podcast is brought to you by The Fleshlight. If you go to JoeRogan.net and click on the link for The Fleshlight, enter in the code name Rogan, you get 15% off the number one male sex toy. All righty. Buckle up, bitches. Here we go. Adam Crawl's in the house. The Joe Rogan Experience. Black guy again, man. What the fuck? fake black guy on me, man. It's not cool. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the the godfather of the podcast is here. The man who started it all. The man who, without him, yeah, I probably might not have done this fucking thing. I might not have been uh, so enthusiastic about doing it, but doing his was so much fun, and he was so smart to... to Jump right into that right after his radio station, Adam Crowley, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Great to be here. Great to have you, buddy. It's for real, man. If it wasn't for you and you know and doing your podcast and realizing how like you had it so, I mean, now you got it really professional. Like the last time I was there, I was like, holy shit! It's like stacks of compressors and all this, you know, and monitors and people hitting video switches and everything. I mean, you yeah. got it like a, a it's it's a, it's a goddamn studio. You, you know, uh, everyone is at that studio still making fun of me because. Joe did the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Joe took a tour around the back part of the warehouse, and we're up at the front part where the studio is, and then Joe came back, and he said to me, (laughs) man, you got all these compressors, and I said, really? You haven't seen shit yet, buddy, and I said, follow me, and we walked to a closet, and I opened it up, and I turned the turned the light on and there was a 40 gallon air compressor there and i said that's the granddaddy of them all and he went no i didn't mean air compressors and i was like what other kind of compressor would you be talking about he doesn't even and then know my, my my buddy uh, started laughing at me and now uh, i'm ridiculed soundly i i stand by my compressor means a compressor well to me you you were correct and that is the original use of compressor and yes. especially considering that you have an auto garage that's a rare situation. Where it was a good-looking compressor I showed you to be, nice. to be sure, right? Well, listen, I'm, I'm as uh, into gadgets as the next fellow, and I'm, I'm very impressed by that large compressor. I mean, that was something you expect to see at a gas station. Thank you. Very nice. <laughs> Even though now they charge you a fucking quarter. 75 cents up the street. Or whatever. I, I mean, just the whole idea. I would love to. You know, they do that stuff where they go, if our founding fathers could see this, Fuck founding fathers. Let me get a couple guys from the 50s yeah. and just drag them in and go, you, they make you pay for air? I should blacken their eye. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, like a guy with a bow tie and it's like, oh, you know, just just take a guy from the 50s and show him a gas station. Serve yourself. Uh, you clean your own windshield. Uh, you need to pay in advance. That'd be another thing. Like, but they don't trust you. Uh Air, they'll charge for. I prefer the option to pump my own gas. That's one thing that creeps me out about, about like, um, I think Oregon has it. I know New Jersey has it. Or they don't let you. They don't let you pump your gas. Is that real? Yeah, for real. They don't allow you to. That is a weird one, isn't it? Very strange. I have, uh, I've, I've done some, some, uh, I don't know if we were talking about this before, but I, I was thinking about this sort of gas station. Like, I, I tell people, you know, you can decide where to live. A lot of people base that on like, well, how are the school systems or how, you know, what's going yeah. on with the economy or the roads or something. But I, I'd say you can base your neighborhood on the gas station because there's sort of three levels. There are the ones like the ones in my neighborhood where you swipe your credit card and then you have to punch in your zip code. 
right. because of credit card fraud. Then there's the slightly nicer neighborhood where you just swipe your credit card, but you don't have to punch in it's your true. zip code. And then there's the greatest neighborhoods of all where you just pump your gas, and when you're done, you pay somebody. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't. they don't need cash up front. I mean, that's when you travel and you get outside of L.A., and you realize, oh, there's just some guy who's going to let you pump your gas, and then you can pay him. Like, they, not everyone's fucking Bonnie and Clyde. Or, like, <laughs> all of us are going to jump off, scre- sliding across our hoods, laughing and peeling out. That is, That means you're in a good goddamn neighborhood if yeah. they trust you. That's absolutely true. You know, I got credit card frauded. frauded Me too. I Me got too. it the other day. Just yeah. a couple, just a week or so ago. I'm what? super paranoid now. I'm always yeah. at the gas station, like, trying to pull off the, the scanner yeah. to make sure it's real. Do you know that how they do it? Those scanners, when you scan your card at the gas station, they put a scanner over that. Ah. So as you're scanning, it's oh. getting they're getting your numbers as well. And they also have a little camera that looks like like a uh, uh, advertisement for a credit card. Uh, to uh-huh. fill out an application it has a little camera in there that reads you... This, Typing in your number. Ah, so as you so type you in your that. area code or your zip code, zip you got zip code, right? You uh, got to do that weird yeah. back hunch thing. Yeah, you, yeah, you got to put you your hand like it. this. Like you're eating food in prison. I wonder if there's going to be some sort of syndrome that um, that doctors are going to run into and chiropractors are going to run into called block ATM back. Where, like, in the next hundred years, our kids are going to have weird scoliated spines from doing that weird shoulder hunch, talk, punching it. It's really, you get it from, it's, it's sort of what carpal tunnel, tunnel is, the guys who work keyboard jobs all day. This is a weird back hunch to all the people that go to the ATM three times a week and dial in their uh, zip code when they're at the gas station, do the cell phone thing where they're, like, texting. It's going to be a weird, because it is this weird... Oh, this is heavy. This may be the weed talking, but (laughs) we may be, dig this, just dig this. We may be getting taller as a species, but we're evening it out by hunching over all the time and rolling our shoulders and protecting whatever serial codes we're punching in. It's weird to me that we still sign things. Yeah, that freaks me out when I scribble something on a piece of paper that makes it valid. Right, like what, really is that? For That's real the dumbest anymore? thing we've talked about. That how like I just type in Brad Pitt or I type in Tom Selleck because it doesn't. You write it, yeah. <laughs> I, I just I used to be kind of meticulous about my autograph. You know, I used to write my name out. Like, I should say my signature. Right. You know, but I'm if I autograph something, I'm much more particular than if I sign something. I sign something. I'm just writing some fucking motion. You can't tell me that's not right. I'm changing it. It's changing your mark, it. and it, you know, you you do shows, you stay afterward you sign a bunch of shit right i'm sure yeah 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 i do the yeah. same thing and it's just it becomes your mark yeah and and i realize it doesn't have to read i always tell people this like if people aren't if you were going to go out and get a fake autograph it would be brad pitt's right. autograph it would be adam it wouldn't, wouldn't be me <laughs> yeah. would it so i mean who's going to question it well i've seen fake ones of mine sold online oh you have yeah yeah, yeah a bunch of them from news radio memor- autographed uh, memorabilia oh, there's really? uh, fake everyone everyone's name is fake on it i like those guys who once in a while when you fly into jfk there'll be some uh, fat guy in cargo shorts who's sweating profusely he's waiting for you and he's like yeah. big fan big fan big fan as he's saying big fan he just keeps swiping he's just 119 pictures of me as death on the family guy said like, big fan Big fan. Big fan. Really? Really? I mean, I got the big part. Definitely the 322 pounds. Do you sign all those, though? I usually... I'll I'll tell you what happened. I ran into the same dude on the way out as I did on the way in, and I signed about 20 of them on the way out. And then when I was coming in at like 6 a.m., he was waiting for me again. And I was like, all right, I'll give you 10 
this time. Well, that's nice of you. I, I, you know, my fee. I, I don't. I don't know why, but I, a I feel sorry for these guys. Right. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> When's the last time they got a good blowjob? Number one. <laughs> Number two. All right. So that's their job. Like they get up at five, they drive down to JFK, they pay 20 bucks for parking and they wait for Adam Carolla to come walking up terminal, whatever. I look at it as fuck it. It's their job. Right. right. I, I don't really, I don't give a shit. How much money can you make off of? They, you make signature. pretty decent money. I, it d- really bucks, d- definitely depends. Bucks? But like, I think I saw your ship going for like twenty five dollars, and it was just some twenty five bucks, something like that. $25. I always suspect they just hope on the off chance the plane will crash, then they'll oh. have a stack of the last shit you ever <laughs> signed. I, I don't. I couldn't see them making much much after that. Yeah, that could work. Mm-hmm. Very clever. Yeah, I used Plan to ahead. actually uh, do that. Um, like when I was a kid, I would, like I was a huge Steve Martin fan, so I actually wanted his autograph. So I would like always go to those uh, movie shops where they have like the signed autographs and like the memor- mem- memorabilia and stuff like that, and always looking for a Steve Martin. Never got one, and then I found out that he doesn't give autographs. He gives out a little business card, and it just says, "This is business card." It says that you have met Steve Martin or something like that, and just carries a, po- a pocket of them. I like it when guys are clever, but not that clever. That's, <laughs> yeah. It's bordering on cute. I, I, one of the most uncomfortable moments in my life was me sitting next to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Actually, I had two wildly uncomfortable moments that involved Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> one is he just sat down on my radio show and I was like, you know, y- you never see any any guys in their 70s that are, you know, over 6'7 or 6'8. And I, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm not trying to bring you down literally, but is there some syndrome or have you talked to somebody or how does it work? Because you just don't see seven footers that are 80 years old, but yet you seem like you're in perfect health and I don't know how it works. And is there something that I'm not aware of? And he's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, you know how you don't see a lot of old guys they are like over six, five. They seem to go a little earlier in life. As a matter of fact, the little short Jewish guys are the ones that go on forever. Is there some a connection correlation between the height and the short longevity? And he was like, I never thought about it. And I was like, Oh shit, really? And he was like, yeah, now I am this kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> like I was like, but no, but How I, I can't be the first guy it. to bring this up. So he uh, he did that to me, and then we're this like D- Dodger All Star game or something celebrity game, and we're sitting next to each other waiting for the real Dodger game to end at, in like the you know the Tommy Lasorda you know dugout eating hot wings or something like that's up on the loge level, and some kid came by and said, uh, "Could you sign my baseball?" And I signed his baseball, and then he handed it to Kareem Abdul Jabbar, and he said, "Could you sign my baseball?" And he's like, uh, "No." Wow. And and the kid was like, really? Because it just take a second. He's like, I, I'm not I'm not doing that right now. And I'm sitting like right next to him. And, and the kid comes back for a third like round. And he's like, you know, just real quick. And he, he's like, no, I'm sorry. Wow. And I'm like, just fucking sign it. Just sign it. And then he walks away. And then his mom shows up like 10 minutes later. And she's like, I'm uh, so sorry to disturb you, Mr. Abdul-Jabbar. But... Um, the ball for my son. He's such a huge fan. Do you think you could just take a moment? He's like, sorry, no. 
And, and she's wow. like, just, just a moment. And, and she's like, no, thank you. And I'm just like, I'm sitting next to him wanting to crawl out of my urethra and just go <laughs> under the carpet. You know that thing? Having to pretend like, you know that body language that says I'm not listening? Like we can all know the fake body language. I, I am listening. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I'm trying to discover the I'm not really listening. <laughs> you start leaning a little. and uh, oh. oh, God. And she really asked like three or four times. She's like, oh. sorry. No. And she's like, um, really? Because we could have signed it in this time. It took, no, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> she's wow. like, please. I want to go, I'll fucking sign it. I'll eat your pussy, whatever. Please, <laughs> please go away. With take, take your son oh. somewhere. Man, what a douchebag he is. Yeah. I guess. He was, right? I mean, he's dead, right? No. <laughs> is he dead? No. no, he's is around. Dead? No, the point is. The Which point, one's dead? Which, Will Chamberlain's dead? Yeah, Will's dead. The point, the point is, um, he, I realize the guy's seven four. There's not a place. It's it's about height. I mean, you're spotted. You're stopped. He gets stopped everywhere he goes. I'm not defending the guy, but that guy has probably been bugged for autographs nonstop for fifty years, and I bet he's just fucking had an impacted ass full of it. Yeah, he, I bet he has, but he should reconsider the way that in that you know, case, especially yes. little kids, yeah. some kid, and you can make their day. It's so easy to make their day. You just I, you're I, gonna have to communicate with them. He's I, right there, I, and you're sure I mean, it I'm was preaching him, to the right? crier, talking to you. You sure it was him, right? It wasn't a guy that just looked like. Him. Yeah, it's a six four <laughs> black guy changed his name from Lou Alcindor to. Uh, Is but, that who he was, Lou Alcindor? Yeah, I was thinking like I was I was uh, joking about this once, where I was saying, you know, Cat Stevens. Uh, Cassius Clay, Lou Alcindor, all really bitching names. Like, no reason to take the Muslim name. <laughs> That's true, Dick right? Trickle should take the Muslim right, name. Right. But not maybe even Dick Buckus, but not Cat Cassius Stevens. Clay. Like, Cat yeah. Steve's like, you guys already were blessed with some of the coolest names on the planet. You know how much less pussy you're going to get, Cat Stevens, <laughs> going to Islef Muslim or whatever the fuck it is? I mean, that you're going to cut the... Pussy spigot off. Please, stay. You can imagine. He, imagine his agent. How did that phone? How'd the phone call go with his agent? Hey, Marty. Yeah. No, I'm not going by Cat anymore. That's uh, <laughs> that's my slave name. No, no, Cat Stevens. Now I'm gonna. Now I'm gonna be selling. My next album is gonna be the best of Yusef Islam. <laughs> his agent must have just been like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" I was fascinated by his whole situation, his transformation, up until I read the fact that. He actually supported the fatwa, as it were, or whatever, against uh, the guy who wrote, um, what the fuck is his name? The guy who wrote the book the, when they went after him, the first guy? Yeah. The Muslim guy? Yeah. Satanic Verses. Yeah. And uh, that guy was named Yuri Geller. I can't God, think of his fucking, name. Well, you should have got me stoned. How could I not know his I'll name? I'll spit it out in a second. Hold on. Satanic Verses. <laughs> it comes out with Duncan Trussell. It's so beautiful how you can do that. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's the problem. Salman Rushdie. Salman Rushdie. These guys are like all these guys. He I mean, there, it. there's yeah, there's the Cat Stevens version, and then there's the Teabagger version, and it's always like they 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 explain their like general look. It's about peace. It's about uh, pilgrimage, uh, spirituality, or whatever. And you go like, okay, I'm down. I'm down. I'm down. And then then they then they always do something, and yeah. you go, all right, now I get it. You're an asshole. He's fucking crazy. I mean, right. look, Islam is a strange one to convert to. It's like when Glenn Beck became a Mormon. 
Yeah. You know, and uh, like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're like a fucking grown man. You're a grown man and you become a Mormon. It's one thing if you're like born a Mormon, raised a Mormon. I had a joke that I was doing in, in my act where the reason why Mormons are so anti-gay marriage is because they're afraid of gay people, rightly so, because if someone could talk into being a Mormon, they can probably talk right. into sucking their dick. Right. It's, just a, it's a matter of how much alone time they spend with you. I mean, what what won't you believe, you it, fuck? It is weird when people discover stuff at, you know, age 37. Yeah. I, I, I feel like my brain, like the cement in the sidewalk of my brain was dry to almost any other ideas at that point. Well, you could break that cement open with some mushrooms. Oh, my God. But oh, the, I have. I'm sure you have. I have, yeah. But the, the, yeah I, but, oh, I had this idea, too, though, speaking of the gays. <laughs> Uh, you'll dig this idea. Again, this is more just stone talk. But um, there's this race that's really fun. It's called the 24 Hours of Lemons. And it's not 24 Hours of Le Mans. It's lemons. You take a piece of shit car, and you're up against a bunch of other $500 cars, and it's a 24-hour race of piece of shit. Oh, right? nice. Sounds fun. So someone says, well, how do you know that some guy's not going to spend 10 grand on a car, put like a souped up engine in it and all that? How, how, how can you confirm that everyone here hasn't spent more than $500 on their entry? It's tough. And the guy said, here's how we do it. We have a giant uh, like bulldozer, just like a rock crusher, just like a backhoe thing, just a cruncher. And... Uh, we will go up and down the line to everyone who enters the race, every race, and we'll pick one car and we'll put it in the cruncher. And that sends the message, don't get slick. Right. Because you look too slick or we think you're, you don't want to be the nicest car at that thing. You don't want to spend 10 grand because they'll crunch you. And then I thought, this is how they should do the gay games. Because I thought, how do you know everyone in this game is gay? Maybe there's some straight guy who wants to just gay bash legal, right? So, so... How do they know, like, Brock Lesnar wouldn't enter the boxing competition and go, yeah, I suck cock, you know, oh, right. and be in there just beat the shit out of a bunch of gay guys. guys. <laughs> so it'd be the greatest thing ever. So I said, they should do it the same way they do the 24 Hours of Lemons. It's that they line up all the guys for the gay games, and one guy just walks in front of them and stops in front of one dude and goes, suck my cock. <laughs> that would keep this one straight dude away, just in That's the 1% chance. Maybe there'd be a few dudes who would risk it. They just fucking sweat out Joe's that, that right. lottery. Joe's right. Yeah, they got emergency ecstasy in their yeah, pocket. Yeah, no, no. When the guy, yeah, the emergency right. ecstasy probably would do it too. No, because then you'd write about you'd write about the suck the cock, and you realize people are going to see this. Right, this is going to make it on YouTube. Yeah, 1980, you could pull that off. What yeah. was your first car? I thought you were going to say cock. What was your first cock? Um, my first car was the Mazda pickup truck. A 79 Mazda long bed with, uh, it, it didn't have, it used to have a bench seat in it, but someone took out the bench seat and put dinette seats nice. in it. So it was what? like theoretically bucket seats, but they came from someone's living room. So it wasn't, wasn't awesome. <laughs> How'd you get uh, like wrapped up in loving cars? Did you, uh, hanging out with Jay Leno too much or I was deprived uh early on of all things mechanical and I had a wrenching gene so uh the wrenching gene the wrencher gene the mechanical gene it's no different than the musical one you know you always whenever they say 
they talk about a drummer. Like, oh, Tommy Lee was banging on pots and pans in the in the kitchen when he was three. So eventually broke down and got him a drum kit and he's never left it since, you know. So whatever. He had that gene, you know. Right. And some people have a musical gene and some people have it for math and some people have it for conversation or socializing or whatever. Science, whatever. There is a mechanical gene. And if you have it, unless somebody gets you that equivalent of a drum kit you'll just fucking go nuts. And uh, I always lived in the valley and had shitty parents with no money and lived in crappy apartments. So I was just going nuts. I would go to other kids' houses and use their garages and use their tools. And I never had a garage. So when I got older, I then went nuts with it. But I realized I didn't have any money. So I had to sort of shut that part of my brain off, sort of like being really really into like you know uh high high-end strippers but working at an arby's you know like at a certain point you go just go home and beat off like stop banging your head against the wall here it ain't gonna happen so i'm working as a carpenter i don't have any money so i have to drive a pickup truck so i'm like uh just screw it and then at a certain point i made money and then once i made money i said it's time to overcompensate and that's where i'm at now <laughs> and do you, you have an addiction is it I'd, I'd say it is I mean, in the sense that I think about it more than I think about other things. You were going to do the American version of Top Gear, right? Weren't yeah, you I, did the pi- I did the pilot, yeah. And what happened? Uh, what happened is uh, about the worst sort of combination that can happen when you're trying to uh, be gainfully employed. Um, did the Top Gear pilot with all the British guys. I was sort of the lead guy. Came out really, really good, really strong. Everyone... I could tell it was good because all the hardcore blogger guys who are really deep into this world, uh, the Top Gear world, they're international and they're just a bunch of bunch of car tech nerd guys who love to get on the computer and say talk shit about you know not not they they love to say not as good as the one in the UK, but they all showed up at the taping. They did secret taping somewhere. Some of like seven hundred people showed up. And they all got back to their computers and went, oh, it's every bit as good as the UK one. Uh, It was for NBC, and it was right at the time that uh, GM and Chrysler and uh, two of the big three, maybe it was Chrysler and GM, uh, were heading to Congress, trying to get money from Congress to stay afloat. And they're making a big deal about them taking private jets to ask Congress for money. And the show Knight Rider... (laughs) Point point 2.0 was tanking completely in the ratings on NBC. So they're like, no car comp, no car talk, and no car shows, and they shelved it. How fucking stupid is then that? Then I got another sitcom uh, development deal with NBC, and right at the time that happened, it got picked up by the History Channel or Discovery, whatever it's on. It got picked up for 13 episodes. So they called me. They're like, oh, good news. We got picked up. And then I'm like, no, I'm actually doing another pilot for NBC that's a sitcom, so I can't do it. So they went ahead and did that, and guess who sitcom pilot didn't get picked up? (laughs) So 0 for 2, essentially. So It's like you couldn't fuck it up any more than that. See, that's one of the beautiful things about the podcast is that it's so difficult to fucking develop a show. It's so difficult. I've tried developing sitcoms. I've had development deals. I've had, you know, I, I've been from the ground floor. I've been brought in during pilots to try to make it better. It's a fucking just, there's so many people involved and so many opinions and producers and network executives. And it's so difficult. One of the beautiful things about the podcast is there's no one. I mean, for you, you have a few people 
that you've hired that figure out your audio stuff and your video stuff, but there's no one to tell you anything. It's just you. We, yeah, I know. It's so beautiful. There's well, nothing like this. It, it, it is, it, at least it is the vision of the artist. Yeah, 100%. And as I've always said, what piece of art, whether it was a painting or a symphony, got better be- because 14 people tried to cluster fuck it, you yeah. know? And yeah. by the way, whether you're talking about NBC or CBS, five postmenopausal broads who never <laughs> made a human being laugh in their life get involved creatively. Yeah. I mean, can you, what goes on during the height? I mean, most of the executives in, in the world of, and, and listen, I'm not speaking as a uh, bitter whoever. They paid me my money. I did my thing. I have no, no, no qualms with them. And I'm not coming from an angle of, oh man, I'd love to kiss their ass and get another bite of the apple. And I'm not coming from an angle of, I'm um, a bitter, jilted sitcom pilot star that didn't get on the air. I'm just coming from the angle of the truth. And these people are not funny. Now. At all. Not at all. Now, the thing is, is that's okay. Most people aren't funny. That's, Just don't try but, to direct funny. But, but, but my mom doesn't tell me what set to do yeah, you know, before exactly. I go out on stage. And so not being funny and being heavily immersed in comedy and funny and explaining to people how to be funny and what is funny is not going to create a better product. And my fantasy, and, and most of these, a lot of them are women. Uh, a lot of them are dudes who don't talk and even have a little bit of a sour, dour look to themselves. When they go back to their high school reunion in, the, in like Michigan or wherever they're from, and they say to their buddies who they haven't seen in 30 years, what the, where are you up to? What, were you living in California? What's going on? What are you doing for a living? And they go, I'm the head of comedy programming on NBC or I'm the head of comedy programming on, on a major network. The people they went to high school with must go, get the fuck out of here. You've never said a fucking funny thing in your life. Are you nuts? You've never, I never heard you fucking say a thing that made another human being smile. What'd you do, stand up all through college? Like, could you imagine how fucking confusing it would be? Because to a lay person, and remember when you were a lay person, you thought, well, if somebody is the head of comedy whatever, this dude must be the funniest cat in the land, right? right. He I must mean, know funny at least. At least, and he's going to be a, a student. Going to be funny. a fat guy named Marty. You go to his he, office. There's Groucho right. Marx photos from the. Oh, 30s. he's going to love it. He's going to love it. He's going to yeah. be able to do uh, Bill Cosby bits and and uh, and uh, you know Bob Hope bits and everybody's bit just verbatim, just back to you like yeah. a savant instead yeah. of, instead of looking at you and going, uh, "I never heard of Mister Show. Is that one guy or is that uh, who said that to you?" I've, uh, I pitched, um, I pitched a, well, first off, sometimes you're talking to like 29 year old chicks who right. fucking haven't heard of all in the, all in the family. Yeah. With, with a clipboard and a confused look on their face and you're like, right, wow, right. I'm selling something to you for real. Oh, it is just, again, it's the death of all art, which is <laughs> a bunch of opinions. Yeah. Uh, that, that's it. I mean, even if. Even if someone stood next to Michelangelo and had a decent opinion, it still would have fucked it up to some degree. Mm-hmm. 
even a helpful opinion. Well, especially comedy, because comedy is all about one unique opinion. It's all about one person's point of view. When you start getting a bunch of other people intersecting their points of view into your point of view, then it's not yours anymore. Then it becomes some weird, like, what makes someone funny? Like, talking about Top Gear, like Jeremy Clarkson's one of my favorite. I love that guy. And uh, his point of view is always crass and slightly affa- it's, it's right. uniquely his whether he has writers or not you know he does he, he, he i'm sure i'm not being a dick but i i met him he came out when i did the podcast and he was i'm sorry did the car <laughs> never thinks a podcast now when i did top gear and he came as the nicest guy in the world and i was just improvising up a storm and he, he came he came right up to him and he said uh i could not do what you do i do not do that and I said, oh, thanks for the compliment. And he said, no, I, I mean it. I have my stuff figured out. I don't know if he has writers. Well, he writes but he himself. Has his stuff. I know he's a columnist he pl- as well. He figures his stuff out right. and then does it in such a <clears throat> matter-of-fact sort of way that it feels so organic. It doesn't necessarily to me. It feels like it's well-written, but it feels like it's his. You know what I mean? Well, uh, coming from your trained eye and ear, but yeah. I'll bet to the average bloke. It feels very off the cuff. Really? Uh, man, I don't know. It doesn't seem off the cuff at all to me. Well, it seems because, good. It's, it's because very he's, good, when but... he's driving yeah. and he's having this visceral experience mm-hmm. and he starts you know, in a sliding in a corner and he yells, you know, this thing's smoother than the queen mother's you know, rear <laughs> right, end. Right, right. It feels like he's having this experience, you know. Right. And okay. It, that's why it feels like it to me. And I'm, I'm sure it's all canned, but you know, he's there's no teleprompter, and it feels like this again, this experience that's transcending just the voice. You can tell that that guy really fucking loves cars. There's a uh, when he reviewed the Corvette ZR1, and uh, he's uh, sliding sideways down this road, and he's uh, screaming, "Well done, fat man from Kentucky! <laughs> this is a masterpiece!" Yeah. And he's just sideways blowing smoke out of the tires stomping on that 648 horsepower engine you're hearing the roar you could tell that guy's really loving that he was driving one of those that i think was a, a callaway or something that you know had the turbo on it probably had 900 horsepower when i met him uh down at uh, like el toro he just was burning out, just flying out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, not on camera or anything. Just I, I was yelling at Steve Coogan, who's some English comedian who was criticized. Uh, uh, Jeremy Clarkson said something about Mexico. Said mm-hmm. that the reason why Mexico doesn't have good people in the Olympics is because all of their people who can run, swim, or jump have already gotten over the fence. Right. You know, and um, people were shitting on him. Apparently, Steve Coogan was just joking. Apparently, he's like a joker and they're friends or something like that. So, sorry, Mr. Coogan. Mm-hmm. Oh, he wasn't really. Yeah, he wasn't really shitting. He was like, That's... I guess it was his sense of humor. I just I, missed the, uh, the mark. Comedians making jokes. Is that, you know, in, in terms of society, in terms of fixing the ills of yeah. society and looking for someone to point a finger at and create some sort of social change, comedians telling jokes. I had this... that, why is it at the top of everyone's list? I mean... A newscaster, you know, politician, mm. a clergyman. Yeah. There, there's, there's, there's Go a after chi- the bankers, chief of police. When those guys make an off-color remark, uh, then maybe you should say something about it. But when a comedian says something, in, don't you already know inherently by his title? 
right. th- that it's a joke. I was having this exact conversation last night with uh, Daniel Tosh about comedians going after comedians because, you know, Coogan going after Jeremy Clarkson. And he, we were talking about David Cross going after Larry the Cable Guy, which is one of the most confusing <laughs> yeah. things. I like David Cross, and I like Larry the Cable Guy. I think Larry the Cable Guy is funny. He's n- is he the greatest comic in the world? Well, that's up to you. For some people, he is. He's a good joke writer. He's a good. He's he's got a good character. I think it's good. There's nothing wrong with it. I absolutely not. And I I would never go after one of those guys because it always just seems like sour grapes. Yeah. Like all right, so you're not selling out exactly. Uh, ultra domes right and thus you're pissed off about it and this is what i got accused of when we were attacking mencia uh, you know but i was like look man there's the, the, there's a lot greater than him that are way more successful and i'm not going after them like it's it's not a sour grapes issue it's a, it's an artistic issue when when you go after someone when you go after someone who's doing something you don't you don't agree with who you don't like his material well the fucking obviously someone does are you saying that your your sense of humor is the only one that's valid you know like you can't can't enjoy Larry the Cable Guy. No one can enjoy it. Well, you, there's he's a racist and he says racist things and no, he says a lot of things that a guy that was Larry the Cable Guy would fucking say, dummy, right. and it would be funny. You're well, talking about I mean, a guy in a flannel t-shirt with cut-off sleeves right. talking about Arabs, them Arabs, them talheads. That's right. what he would say. You know, it's sure. a fucking character. Well, listen, uh, you know, Andrew Dice Clay did yeah. the same thing, oh. except Andrew kind of kind of became that guy, right? Andrew, you know, the Dice Clay, Andrew was Andrew Silverstein, and the Dice Man was one of his many characters. Right. He would go up and do John Travolta. His fucking John Travolta is deadly. He would go up and do all these different characters, and the Dice Man just killed so much, it eventually became him. And then, you know, everywhere he goes, he's wearing weightlifting gloves and leather jackets and shit. Well, I I think he's had to re... What what happens is, is, uh, with these careers, is um, Gilligan... You know, a year after Gilgan's Island goes off the air, goes uh, Bob Denver goes, uh, fuck this. I'm not wearing that stupid white hat and the red crew neck sweater thing and the white <laughs> boat pants like I'm bullshit. And then he does about 10 years of this is bullshit. And then he does about five years of soul searching. And then at a, some point he opens the closet and grabs that hat. And says, you know what? I'm going down to open that fucking boat show in Long Beach and walk out of here with nine grand. Yeah. And then it starts, and then starts to wax nostalgic about it. So I think uh, the Dice Man put down the pack of cigarettes and the leather vest and said, uh, "I'm going to do some other things." And then at a certain point, realized I ain't paying the bills doing that. Do you remember when he had a sitcom? He went, he went clean for right. a while. He had a sitcom on CBS and it was called Bless This House or something like yeah. that. Wasn't it called that? It was like when Kiss went unmasked, and it was with the woman from Raging Bull. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck is Salman Rushdie? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Sally. (laughs) What the fuck was her name? Because she was super hot and then she got chubby as fuck. Yeah. She's, uh, Ange. Oh, D'Angelo. No, not D'Angelo. Um, fuck is her name kathy moriarty moriarty she was hot as fuck yeah and then you know much like all of us she fell apart i saw the daisy duke girl uh katherine bach yeah sorry at a a comic book convention it was the saddest thing you will ever see her sitting there with her little shorts but they weren't as short as they used to be and she just just sitting there no one talking to her no one even knowing that she's sitting there i just walk up and i'm like this is 
Daisy Duke right here. And she goes, and I'm like, oh, you're signing autographs? And she goes, $25. And I'm like, oh, no. And right. I, and I was like, can I take a picture? And she goes, yeah, that's $10. And I'm like, no it's, no, it's with my camera. And she goes, yeah, it's $10. But it was the saddest thing ever. I'm like, no, thank you. And I just walked away, and this little Daisy Duke just sat in the corner by herself, sitting at wow. a folding chair. Can I tell you something that's sadder? Uh, moments ago when Joe was like, you know, what's the name of that author? And they put the fatwa on the guy, remember? And uh, wrote Satanic Verses. Remember that? What was the name of that guy? And I'm like, yeah. You know that author, remember? He had to, he had to hide because they put, put a hit on him. And Cat Stevens, uh, you know, gave it two thumbs up. And what's the name of that author? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I, I, damn, couldn't tell you. But when you're like, um, I saw Daisy Duke, Catherine Bach. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking sad. Well, when we were kids, she's she was so hot, hot as I know. Fuck. It's just sad that that's where my knowledge base She's not is. that old, though. How old is she? She she looked probably about 50. So it's just the booze. Is it booze? It, it looked just like sadness. It just was, sadness? It was just sadness. It's booze or drugs. It's, it's amazing how the booze really jacks you. Those little yeah. freckles weren't there as much anymore. Oh, she's it's... done. But then you look at, like, um, Christy Brinkley's still hot as fuck. Well, Somehow see, or another, she's keeping it together. She's, this, like, 53. I have this fun imaginary game oh. I like to play Let's when go. I get stoned, uh, which is a sort of the X. It's like it's, it's a cross, okay? And let's say... When you were in junior high, let's say you're let's say you're in the seventh grade for the sake of argument, and uh, Duke's a hazard is hitting its prime. Just a good old boy, Boys. and they're blowing up the outhouse Never with the crossbow and whatnot. And you're you're just sitting there and you're seeing an episode that has Catherine Bach and then tight Daisy Dukes, and she does that thing where she leans over the open hood and the steam comes out and everything. And now there you are, little Peckerwood oh. in New Jersey in seventh grade, and you're fi- now you're at the bottom of each X. Mm. You couldn't get further away. There's right. it's not like you stole a bus ticket to LA, you you could she, fuck you, Catherine you could fuck. Bach. No way. You're a million miles away. So true. Okay. But now <laughs> now you start heading up the legs of the X. Just a good old man. Now we move on ten years. Never mean Joe's a, a stand up comedian getting started, having a little success, making a little money, grown into his body. He's in his in his <laughs> Become sexual, sexually charged. He's, he's 23, 20, 22, 23 years of age. Now, uh, Dukes of Hazard's been off the air, you know. Uh, 15 th- years. Yeah. Th- been off. Well, no, I'm saying at this point, yeah, okay, let's say it's been off 10 years. Okay. 10 years. But she's still, she's right. 36, still right. looking pretty right. tight, you know, whatever. <laughs> looking at, but Joe's not looking too bad either. And Joe's starting to do a little stand up, whatever. At what point, Joe, at what point do you cross? Her. Like, at a certain point, I mean, when you were in the seventh grade, you would have sold your fucking soul and killed your stepmom to get one lick of that pussy, right? Right. But now, <laughs> but now, but if I asked you, right, if I asked you this second, yeah. well, then obviously you guys crossed. Yes. What year did you cross? That's, uh, that's my game. And then, and, but, and then there's something like, ooh, you haven't crossed Christy Brinkley yet, or maybe you're meeting, <laughs> no. maybe about nine months away from, from just hitting right in the middle. If no, Christy Brinkley's still above me. Yeah, yeah, she's got me. Yeah, she's, she's all right, but maybe she's maybe still hot co- and she's fifty three. You know, no, she's like fifty seven. Oh Jesus, that's my point. She's gonna be sixty. Well, maybe Joe. I maybe I crossed her at fifty seven, but she I looks great. Her. Yeah, maybe maybe she doesn't. With, with TV, you can never really tell. I'll have to ask Christine. We'll we'll see what we can agree to. 
would be an awesome conversation. Yeah, the, the Catherine Bach thing, it all depends on how much Catherine Bach took care of herself, whether or not she was still sure. in movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. It did, it, there's there's some women that even though they they've kind of deteriorated, they still yeah, have a level of respectability. You're doing news radio. <laughs> She's been off TV for 14 years. You know what I'm saying? Once Fear Factor happened, I had her. She yeah. was mine. Mm-hmm. She was mine when I was hosting. If I wanted to get Catherine, what to work out some sort of bracket list? You know what I mean? Where just really <laughs> you could find all the chicks you wanted to fuck when you were in the eighth grade and see when you cross them. There's nothing stranger than watching a woman go from being beautiful and having ultimate power a really super hot chick a super hot 21 year old chick has almost it's almost voodoo you know like their body and the way they move and like the way they smell and if they like you and if they're smart too and if you're not sure if you can get them it's like god damn it's almost fucking voodoo. It's ultimate power. It's super celebrity power. The reason why celebrities get so ridiculously fucked up. Trump's everything. The reason why celebrities get so ridiculously big-headed is because everywhere you go, people are kissing your ass. Everywhere you go, people are, here's you know free bottle service. Here's a limousine for free. Please eat at my restaurant. You're amazing. You've changed my life. And you start thinking that you, is an you awesome really are the thought. shit. That is an awesome yeah. thought, Mr. Rogue. But girls, from the moment they're little, from the moment they're little, you're so cute. You're so beautiful. And then they're in high school. Then it becomes currency. It becomes the thing that defines them. And then it goes away. And it goes away slowly. It goes away weird. Where they start looking like that rough bar girl, you know, like still hot, but in her 30s. But, you know, you can see her at a cigarette. Maybe I get a couple of shots of Jack in you and let's just go fuck in the woods, you know? Right. Just some crazy bitch. It's just, she's not the 21 year old girl who's the cheerleader who you, it was impossible to get. Now she's this wild bitch who's just, you know, you feel for her. She's trying to pay her bills. You know, she's been divorced, mm-hmm. you know? And then eventually they become monsters. They become this weird thing, especially if they get they go down the surgery route. Please, ladies, please just get old. Don't go crazy. Don't fuck with your lips and your neck and all that nutty shit that does not make you look better. It makes you look different. And that different is not a good different. It's a weird monster different. Well, also, you guys are going through historically a bad phase because uh, your mother didn't have to worry about plastic surgery because it didn't really exist and your daughter won't really have to worry about it because they'll have perfected it you even are, worse you are genetic in the, engineering yeah you're yeah. in the experimental phase and it ain't working out it's sort of like cgi it's a bad generation because our folks were watching m- movies that Every stunt was an actual stunt just done by a dude who didn't give a shit. And our kids enjoy CGI that works so effectively you can't tell. We went through a whole phase where we had to watch shitty movies with really bad effects. Because they were perfecting it on our watch. And we were sitting in the theater. Well, now we're in the theater of plastic surgery and all you women... It's you're essentially it's the 50 year experimental phase while they're working on it and you're looking like shit. Yeah, you know, I have to compliment you because Brian Callen said this about you and it's absolutely the truth. You are the best at taking one scenario, whatever it is, like and just going on this fucking rant it's pretty amazing. and coming to these awesome conclusions. You know, oh, thanks. It's you're you're dead on about it. Um, I but, love that Brian Callen, by the way. He's awesome. I ran into that guy at a. At a we're shooting a movie, and uh, I just just doing a little bit part and a little bit movie. And Brian came up to me and he said, uh, "You know, you may be the best at doing this improv stuff." And I said, uh, ah, "I don't know." 
hey, there's probably other guys that do do it better than me. And he said, who? And I said, I, I don't know. And he said, well, someone's got to be the best. And I said, <laughs> I, I guess they do. And he said, well, then that's you. And I was like, uh, he are, told all this right. exact and story I, in those exact words. I walked right away. There. I've never fucking felt better in my life. I was like, <laughs> so it's true, man. You go on these wild rants, but they come to conclusions. They're like, they come to great conclusions. Like, I don't know uh, how you generate material or if any of this stuff you've already talked about on stage, but seriously, go back and listen to this podcast with a fucking notebook. And there's like three good bits in there, at least. I never listen to anything. Or go back and revisit anything. Hire someone anything. to do it. I've Hire tried. one I, of your, I, your I, I folks. I did that. That's how, that's how I wrote the book. I, I swear <laughs> to God. I just said, you have to listen to all this stuff and find the stuff the stuff out. But it's always sad because I've tried it a few times. And a few times, the guys have gone and listened to a couple of shows. And then I go, find anything good? And they're like, not so much. And it's like, oh, you mean I didn't say anything fucking good? You got to get a better guy. Yeah. Get yeah, a better you guy. get a better guy. They get yeah. a little better okay. crab comb. Get a guy and yeah. make him get high before he watches you. Yeah. That's very important. We were talking about this. <laughs> you know, a lot of people say, oh, you're always talking about pot. Why are you always talking about pot? Because it's fucking awesome. All right? And it's awesome and it has this terrible reputation. This wrong, incorrect reputation because of fucking Nancy Reagan and Just Say No and Nixon and all the nonsense and propaganda that they force fed you. It is a plant that is here, and it has benefits. That has yes. a great benefits for your mind. And I, to w- pretend that it doesn't, well, to me, is ridiculous. We did a few things. We started lumping drugs in under one umbrella. Absolutely true. Just like you would no sooner do it with, you were just talking about women. Hey, Joe, right, right. I, I would like to set you up with woman. You'd be like, what? Colors her hair, how tall right. is she, how old yeah. is she, what's a cup or size. Or someone like, says, you hate women. Yeah, it's because not women. Because you think some women, right. one woman's so a cunt. It all just became drugs, and somehow yeah. methamphetamine and marijuana just sort of got lumped yeah. in it, uh, under the same umbrella. You which do is drugs? fucking such a huge mistake. Yeah. And then the other thing that drives me insane about our legal system, when they pulled those guys over who r- went on to rob the uh, North Hollywood Bank on, over there on Laurel Canyon, those crazy motherfuckers Whoa. who were like, and by the way, they were beaked out of their mind on uppers, and that's why. And steroids. And as steroids well. and everything else. But all right. They pulled those dudes over in like Eagle Rock, and they popped the trunk of their car, and they found uh, ski masks, police scanners, um, body armor, maps, um, um, Automatic weapons that were modified illegally, I mean, semi-automatic weapons that were modified to go full automatic with armor-piercing rounds and extended banana clips and stuff. They found everything in the trunk of their car that basically said, oh, these guys are on their way to rob a bank. Um, When they arrested them, they could not get them for attempted bank robbery because the law says, hey, man, we got to catch you robbing a bank. Just because you're driving around with police scanners and armor-piercing bullets and ski masks doesn't mean you're going to rob a bank. We know practically it means you're going to rob a bank. But the way our law system, the system works is you have to rob a bank and then we will prosecute you for robbing a bank. And we all agree, all right, that's how it works. And these guys got locked up for a little something-something. And when they got out, they gave them back a lot of their police scanners and a lot of their shit that was their property. Fine. Then they robbed the bank, and then they had the North Hollywood shootout, which was completely and utterly insane. But the point is this. We could not prosecute them for robbing a bank 
before they rob the bank. And how come when you get busted for more than a shoebox full of marijuana or even a coffee can full of marijuana, you get intent to distribute? Right. They don't have to catch you distributing. Maybe I just like to stock up on weed. That's insane. That's an insane part of the law to me because yeah. every other thing works is we need a body for murder and we need a witness for attempted murder. This is the only thing where they go, you were going to do with this pot, even though they never caught you doing anything with it. And again, maybe you like to shop like you shop at Smart and Costco. Final or Costco, where you just want a 55-gallon drum of garbanzo beans, and you that's your fucking business. That's how I used to do it before the uh, weed stores came around. I used to buy in bulk because I didn't want to deal with these guys. Right. You know, There was a dude named Jake the Snake, that was Eddie Bravo's friend that we used to have to fucking deal with, and we used to buy weed from him. And He was, this, he was so stupid, and Eddie Bravo's a you know, black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, mm-hmm. choked out, one of the first guys to ever choke out a Gracie in competition. And this fucking idiot was like, man, you couldn't do that shit to me. Oh, Eddie sure. had to strangle this kid three times on his fucking front lawn. You can't do that again. You got lucky. He had to do it again and again and again. I mean, this kid was so stupid, and we were buying weed from him. And so, you know, I would just buy a big pile of it. So you never just, have to deal with that just guy. Just go, please shut the fuck up. Here's the money. Please shut the fuck up. It's just so, it's so sad that you can't, as a homeowner and a taxpayer, just plant a pot plant in your backyard. Well, you can. Now. You can now, but the problem is federally you can't. You can state-wise. You know, as far as the state's concerned, you know, it depends on each county has a different law, but you can have a certain amount of plants and a certain amount of pot. You can have up to like a half a pound of pot and up to X amount of plants, as long as you have a medical recommendation. Or if you have a waiver, you can get even more plants, which I do. I have a waiver because I need extra. I, Just because uh, I, c- I could. My mom like, had do you a need pot- a waiver? I'm like, yeah, give me that fucking waiver, man. And you What's don't up? even use it. My mom had a pot plant in her backyard uh, when I was uh, like in the sixth grade. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And I told my buddy uh, Hamid, <laughs> and the next day it was gone. He stole it? Wow. I'm just doing the Hamid math on that one. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What a douchebag yeah. Hamid is. Yeah, I never told my mom. Wow. I guess if she's a big Joe Rogan podcaster, she's going to hear it. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> yeah. And the, uh, yeah, the weed thing is, I, I, I've said this many times, and I think I said it in my book. Here's, here's the difference between weed and other drugs. I would rather have 1,000 guys that smoked weed live in my neighborhood rather than one tweaker. Oh, yeah. Just one fucking meth head. Yeah, one the, meth head, and you see him, you're like, I think I, I, we need to get rid of that guy. Like, you right. should think about killing him. Right. You know, like, there's a diseased person. It's like, I'm watching the show Walking Dead. That I just bought the DVD, the set. Pretty fucking badass. Good zombie uh, show. But, you know, there's a, there comes a point in the, the show where, you know, people get bit and they're all sitting around trying to think, how, what are we going to do? And some people want to kill the guy and some people don't. But, you know, a meth head is just like a zombie. It's like, this guy's infected. I mean, this guy's fucked up. He could do anything. He could kill you. He could do anything to try to get this shit. They have terrible decision-making capabilities. They're almost like just a, a high-functioning zombie. I mean, it really is. Yeah, and the but idea that I, I haven't checked recent statistics, but about five years ago, this country spent more on pot eradication than it did on meth, and that's 
utterly insane. It's just insane. insane. It's just a financial thing. It's 100% a financial thing. And there's a huge industry in keeping marijuana illegal as far as law enforcement, as far as, you know, uh, the, the, the people in pharmaceutical companies. They want marijuana to stay illegal. There's a lot of bad fucking cops out there when it comes to drugs. And one of the things they do, and this is a common thing in the grower community, they rob pot dealers. Cops do. And they did it to a friend of mine. A friend of mine was growing and his his neighbor turned him in. Well, he was growing legally. So the cops came and, you know, they, they ask him questions and they go over all of his shit. And he goes, okay, you're all right. You're legal. And then a couple weeks later, he gets home invaded. Okay. Really? Yeah. By cops. Wow. By fucking cops. The guy says, freeze, pulls a gun on him and it goes, freeze. And my friend goes, freeze? What the fuck are you saying? What are you, a fucking cop? Uh, and the guy panics and shuts up, and it became this crazy fucking situation where he even is pretty sure he knows who the cops are, but can't say anything because he doesn't want the cops coming after him. He had a fucking move. He had a move because he got robbed by cops. What's up with the neighbors? Uh, that's my big question. Yeah, what's know. up with the fucking neighbors? I've had so many shit douchebag neighbors who called the cops over yeah. nothing. Yeah. Got like building departments involved with things like... I've never had a cool neighbor. I, I I had no idea that there would be this many ass wipes. Like, I mean, I've had, I had a New Year's Eve party where the cops showed up at 945 on a Saturday night on New Year's Eve, which meant the guy called them at nine or, you know, takes cops a good hour to fucking roll on one of those calls. Somebody called on New Year's Eve at like 8.45 to come to my house. It wasn't raging or anything. It was just a bunch of people sitting around having a beer. Uh, and the fucking cops showed up at 9.45. And the cops the cops walked in and I said, you want me to turn the stereo down? And they said, not if you don't want to. And I said, even the cops knew, hey, look, if, if it's 4 a.m. and you guys are just fucking cranking uh, Helter Skelter uh, <laughs> as loud as you can, well, then there's going to be a problem. But... He, the cop walked in, looked around, and just went, oh, this is bullshit. And I realized this one person who was sitting home alone would wanted the 150 people to all go home because he wanted to fucking finish watching his Hannity and Combs or whatever the fuck was on <laughs> at 10 o'clock. And it's like, what the fuck? I've never called the cops in my Ever. life. I, I'll put earplugs in. Yeah. I'll put a shade on. I'll knock I'll on your door and, and go, hey, man, you know, this shit's really loud. Is there anything we can just lower it a little? I mean, if it's really crazy. When I lived in apartments, you know, but I had good neighbors in the mountains. In the mountains, when I was living in Colorado, it was kind of interesting because you kind of have to help each other out up there. You're right. all alone with mountain lions and bears and shit, you know, and they'd give, like, good advice about, like, what to do if a bear attacks you and shit like that. Right. But they were, they were, they were different up there, man. But they were really far apart from each other. You know, everybody was a drive. You know, right. everybody was a quarter mile walking distance from each other. Yeah, that helps. You know? Fuck yeah, it helps, man. That's the worst thing about L.A. And I'll tell you what, you ha being on your podcast the other day completely reignited my escape from LA uh, scenario and I've been talking to Mrs. Rogan about it and we, we fucking started looking at houses in Boulder again we started talking to real estate guys about we, we, the, the move I think is we're going to probably uh, look to get a summer place and then eventually try to move into the summer place mm -hmm. and then uh, you know and get sure. the fuck out of here but 
But the problem is the number, the number of people. When you got so many people and they're stacked on top of each other and, uh, you know, there's one guy next door, door and his fucking dog is barking. I was over at a friend's house the other day and right next door to her house, her dogs are, these dogs are barking like fucking crazy. And then behind her, there's some other dogs and they hear these dogs barking. So they come and triangulate the barking. Sure. And there's barking from here and barking from there and everybody's jammed on top of each other and your fucking TV's too loud and your, your song's loud and everybody's laughing by the pool. There's too much input. There's too much. No, listen, I, I agree. It, you know, even on a personal level, I, you ever share a bachelor apartment with a chick or just like a yeah. single with a chick? Yeah. It's fucking almost impossible. It's hard. To get along. It's yeah. just literal square footage. Yeah. When you're on top of each other, you're fucked. You have to be so fucking compatible and so cool. You know, when I tried it, I was 21 and the girl was 20 and we were both poor and we're both working. You know, I was trying to be a comedian and she was trying to manage restaurants. We never lived with anybody before. We'd live with our fucking parents and all right. of a sudden we're living together. It was ridiculous. It was a terrible idea. When but, me and Catherine Bach were shacked <laughs> up in 79. But the girl was, was great before that and I was right. great before that. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm you, sure she probably nutty. thought, yeah, like, boy, that, you know, he's so fun and so much, you know, fun to hang out I, with. I tell everybody, like whenever they ask about like uh you know relationship stuff i just go square footage yeah. like when they go what's your marital advice square footage and two tivos like <laughs> just be, be able to spread it out yes don't you, you know listen, you'll learn too? to hate anyone you have to live on top of do you appreciate when you go on the road when you go on the road and then you come home yeah that makes, man, you know, when you're around, you know, everybody all the time, if I was around you, around anybody, when you're around them all the time, you know, and you, you just get sick of them. It's boring. It's you, you, the same input is coming in over and over and over again. And you start analyzing that input. That's why people start going, why do you fucking do that thing with your fingernails? Why do you give a shit what I do with my fingernails? Because they see you doing this all the time. Right. If they just met you and they saw you biting your nail, they go, oh, he's biting his nail. It wouldn't be a big deal. But you live with someone and you see them biting their fucking nail every day. You want to break their fingers off. You're like, what are you doing? <laughs> crazy asshole when I, uh, I when i go on the road though I agree. and i come back i'm i'm so thankful it's like reset. so uh, yeah it's like it makes me so much more enthusiastic about everybody plus sleeping on a shitty mattress with a jizz pentagram drawn into it, it does make you miss your pillow just a little bit you're talking well. to captain jizz over here to my left this I motherfucker did. throws loads on the walls he calls it spider-man when i'm at hotels because yeah. i can because you can't do it at home it's like a vacation so you throw it everywhere that's rude I, it's, but well, the I only, guess the question is, because really, on the walls... This yeah. is one of the reasons it's why fun. when I go to hotels, every time I can, I get a suite. Yeah. Because I know guys like you are not going to get suites. And so I don't have to look about oh, oh, loads you throw, everywhere. You literally throw it. You don't blow it. He shoots it yeah. in his hand and then shoots throws it, it like Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh. Because mm. it's Maybe fun. Maybe I've turned the corner on this activity. <laughs> I don't know. Now, now you started to like it. It's great. Well, first I thought you were just beating off into great. a wall. You're no, fucking no, no. some poor lady from Guatemala's got to clean your she loads off off of fucking it. photos. She's not going to. There's see a it. picture of a man in a canoe fly fishing, and it's got right. a load on it. She's got to scrape it off. Right. With a if you're at a blade. nice hotel that where they have like black wallpaper, I wouldn't do it on against the wall. Oh, it's it's like these you. crappy, you know, hotel walls that but you know you can't see anything. You know, would be sweet retribution as if it was. Let's say it was a hot, hot August night. And you're staying at a bad motor lodge, and the air conditioning's on the fritz, <laughs> and uh, you're in like you're you're in the you're in the south, 
you're in the deep south and you blow your load and you go to do your spider-man fling with it and it hits the ceiling fan and it comes back in your eye right. and you get pink eye and then you have to explain to the doctor that's your own load that gave you the pink eye i don't think that's enough i think he deserves more what I think you deserve you, you think more, I, more of a well, right. You deserve to get pregnant. I I had payback the other day. So, really? Yeah. I, I don't even want to talk about it. It's fucking disgusting. It's, uh, let's just say that I came and then somehow it ended on my lip. Snowballed, kind of snowballed. as a joke. She thought it was funny. What? Nothing. You came. I came. I was getting a blowjob. Came right. in her mouth. Then, she, like, she later, she was kissing me, and she oh, spits oh. it on my lip, and oh, oh, right, at, she thought right. it was funny. Yeah. Oh, mm. oh okay. Yeah. 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 That's rude. I can't even watch the uh, two-on-one porn when the guys, <laughs> you know, are going at it at the same time. Like, I, I I mean, I can watch it. Don't get me wrong, but what I mean is, is the other dude's jizz on you, yeah. I, I feel like not enough is made of that in the porn world. Like, they'll both just bust a load on her tits and then they'll both be like slapping their dick on it it's like yeah. whoa 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 buddy you're you commingling loads, loads here you're- <laughs> well, that's bad but how about when they're doing the double vagina thing yeah. and they've got two dicks inside the pussy at the same time I'm like at that point in time you're not even fucking a woman anymore you're using her vagina as a container so that you can rub dicks <laughs> right that's what you're doing you, you, yeah you might as well just disgusting. get a tennis ball can and lube it up and <laughs> get your buddy and to just, shove his cock in it yeah, yeah. this fucking pussy feels awesome bro I don't even feel your balls against my balls it's just this pussy that feels so awesome, man. You know, I think it takes a lot to be a male porn star. I think that's the whole thing. Like, uh, I was oh, it to, takes a lot. It takes meth. It takes abuse. Right. It takes a stepfather. I was talking to one guy, and I was like, I don't want to say these names, but I was talking to this one guy, and he goes, uh, I was asking, have you ever met this other porn star? And he goes, yeah, but you know, something's weird about him. I'm like, why? And he goes, he has his own sewing machine, and he always sews his own clothes, and I don't know. It's just something weird. And I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> that's what's stars? weird. But that's what's weird is that he has a sewing machine you asshole you like making clothes you know like you know i hear about adam crow all the time adam crow is a fucking carpenter you know adam crow does like his own extensions on his house and shit and you do all kinds of crazy work right yeah, yeah. nobody yeah. ever says what the fuck is wrong with him man right what is he sawing shit no people go wow that's pretty badass guy makes his own cabinets that's pretty fucking cool but you hear a guy makes his own clothes like fuck you fucking queer <laughs> what are you making your own clothes but you got rhinestones all over him too we got shiny shit on your clothes so you're going to track some cock? You know, like, what is that? It's so weird. It we all so wear weird. clothes. What yeah. is wrong with making clothes? I know. The weird part was, like, having to be like, yeah, that is weird. Like, you kind have, of have to- clothes. You have clothes. You but have if you have a clothing clothes. line, then you're cool again, right? Yeah. right. <laughs> you're so back. You, you can make multiple 11-year-old Indonesians to make it for you, then it's hip again. By right? the way, the higher primate Joey Diaz shows uh, shirts are sold out. They're sold out instantly. Literally within an hour. Really? All of them sold out except for small. We don't have small fans. Oh. So we need more Guidos, more guys wearing small shirts that don't really fit. Right. I got but completely obsessed. Well, we're ordering new ones immediately. I got completely obsessed with this guy named Lewis Wayne. Have you guys heard of who this guy uh, is? an artist from the uh, late 1800s to early 1900s. And the reason why I got obsessed with him is that he... Oh, he used to spit his jizz at the canvas. <laughs> <laughs> he, he started getting schizophrenia. And uh, so he, he, his whole thing is he used to draw cats. And he used to draw classic cats for like the New York... 
Post or I don't know what right. some news famous newspaper. But he started to draw cats, and then he started get, getting really sick, and all his cat pictures st- started turning into psychedelic DMT art. Like mm-hmm. you know the what's this? Oh, that I've seen thing? that with Alex Gray. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I've say, seen those. Yeah, it, it's so interesting. So I just got obsessed with this guy. It's very interesting to if, if you go online and look at. It, and there's a book also. Well, that's interesting. You talk about that. The, the neurochemistry of the brain is some fascinating shit. And I've been experimenting uh, recently uh, with nootropics, you know, uh, different uh, things that stimulate the mind, like Mm -hmm. uh, different uh, supplements for the mind. And we just started uh, creating one. We've talked about this on the show. And uh, I got a piece of paper here that has all the information on it. You want me to tell another Kareem Abdul-Jabbar story while you're looking for your nootropics? It doesn't matter. Uh, well, I'll have all the information available, but I started taking it. But all the people that are taking it, we, we've compounded all the best nootropics, put it together, and we're going to release it. Because nobody has like a, a brain formula, like a really solid brain formula. But all these people that are taking it, they're saying their memory's incredible. They're remembering all this weird shit from childhood. And apparently, if you take it right before you go to bed, you have fucking insane dreams. I started taking it two days ago. You and started taking it? Yeah. I, have, you feel I, I it? should do it. I do it when I wake up. I, should, I guess I should do it when I go to bed. But wait a minute. Is that really a selling point? Because I feel like. Dreams? Yeah, because like when I wake up, the best night's sleep I get is when people go, like, What'd you dream about? And I'm like, Uh. I don't know, man. You don't I like that? Just oh, I love the dreams. I, I, crazy dreams always. I, my dreams are never. My dreams are rarely good. Really? I, I have uh, no dreams of grandeur. They're and they're not even horror. They're not even horror stories. They're just sort of boring. Like I have these super uh, mundane, boring dreams. About half of them are about high school football, <laughs> except for <laughs> I can't find my my equipment and I never, I never get in the game. And the other ones are just sort of shitty, you know, jobs where it's like one of my dreams will be like, Oh, you have this really shitty job and it sucks and you're bored. And then, Oh, there's this hot chick who works at the law firm that you're working at. And then, but you never fuck her. And it's like, nothing ever happens. And then I actually wake up and I go, Oh man, I'm glad. Like, I'm, I'm glad to be awake. Like, whereas a lot of people, well, they wake up and they're not, they haven't won the Heisman Trophy, and you know they're not fucking Lindsay Lohan, and they're disappointed. I wake up and go, I'm not working at a Circle K and driving my old Mazda pickup truck. I'm actually relieved. <laughs> so I have these dreams that don't set me up. Right. It's, it's a weird. I've never had a dream where I feel good. Like uh, I'm, I'm, I'm better in my dream than I am really? in life. That I've done things. You guys need to rent the action movie of dreams. Just get uh, nicotine re- uh, patches. You know, for to cu- you um, rent the action movie. Yeah, of this dreams? is like renting an action movie for dreams. Uh-huh, take, okay. uh, take a nicotine patch. Put it on right before you go to bed. You'll have fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger style dreams. I mean, just fucking insane mysteries and action and helicopters. Really? Because a nicotine it, patch. Yeah, because the nicotine, uh, your your nicotine receptors in your head stay awake to suck in the nicotine. So your brain's a little bit more awake than normal when you're dreaming. That's why it says on the box, don't take it. But fuck, it's It awesome. says don't take it at night because of that. Because of that. But Do you see, have nightmares or dreams? It's not nightmares. It's fucking awesome shit. Like so fucking com- elevators. Well, nicotine and- is a confidence-inspiring sort of yeah. like- Nicotine is a is a good drug. There you know? there should be a I would lobby the FDA to put two types of don't take this stickers. <laughs> right. There's the one where it says do not take this with alcohol because your liver will explode. And then there's don't take it with alcohol because you'll supersize it. Like right. you essentially put it into six gear. Right. Now the ones where I can wash it down with a couple of beers and feel that much better about myself, I'm all for that. 
but I don't want my liver to explode. Right. But you guys just have one sticker that says no alcohol, and I want to know which one because I'll decide right. once I get that information. I feel the same way with the don't take at night. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I highly recommend it, though. Okay. I, so what what level do you take? Like what? Uh, I always go with level one, and what it does. I don't what do is it. Level one is um, level one's your your first week of quitting smoking. Oh, so, so it's that's the most super powerful. Strong. Yeah. I mean, if you Ooh. just want to have a good, but I don't dream, smoke. So what would it, I go it, with? It, it, just level one. Really? Yeah, fucking. Scared. That's eating like a, a quarter of mushrooms. If you but want. really, yeah. <laughs> it's that strong in of dreams. dreams of dreams. Wow, man! Six hours of feeling like a Jean Claude Van Damme. <laughs> it's awesome. tobacco, but people don't understand tobacco in itself or nicotine in itself is not a bad drug. In fact, it's shown to have some benefits as far as like people's hearts. It actually is like good for your heart. But the real problem comes with smoking it, and the real problem comes with the five hundred and ninety-nine these government cunts that have allowed these people to put 599 fucking different additives inside cigarettes, most of them designed just to make it more addictive. Right. You know, if you look at that movie Inside Job, that Russell Crowe movie, which is yeah. based on a true story. Or in, what is it, Inside Man? Or whatever it's it's close, yeah. Whatever it was. Th- th- that's that's, that's what jacks you. That's <laughs> yeah, that was a great movie. That's uh, what jacks you. It's you all the I'm, chemicals. I'm, just, I'm flashing forward here, Joe. I'm flashing <laughs> forward. <laughs> About 30 years, I'm seeing the kids growing out of the house. Wife's long gone. You're, you're up now. You're in the hills. Like you're in, the, you're in the hills of Colorado at this point. Podcast still going strong. Strong. This time. Like Art Bell. Several million listeners, mostly in China, but all over the place. And now you're sitting mostly there. Mostly in China. <laughs> you're sitting there with a full beard, like a full gray beard and some sort of bizarre... Um, marijuana suppository like all day slow drip thing that just keeps you in a constant buzz and you're going off about uh, President Bieber and you're just you're just up there on your pulpit with a crazy beard you're wearing you're wearing like three sets of glasses like you have the bifocal hanging down you have the sunglasses up on your head your cat's on your lap and you're just waxing crazy poetic old man talk lashing out against the government and you're right next to me motherfucker you're sitting, <laughs> That's right. you're sitting right across the aisle, and you're like, I'm so glad I got out of California. Oh, now building tips with, with a pimp scooter. Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, you ever wonder what the fuck you're going to be like when you be 60 or 70 years old? Do you ever look ahead, or do you try to live in the moment? Uh, I don't look ahead, nor do I like live in the moment. I, I just sort of am. I'm just an atheist who is. You know, I I have the things that I enjoy. I have the people that I enjoy. I I do what I do just because that's what I do. Like I, you know, I don't really think about things too much. Uh, I just, I you just think about things a lot though. What do you mean? Well, what I mean is, is I don't, I don't plot the future uh, per se. Mm-hmm. I, I just essentially move through it and, and I, I try to do it as efficiently as possible. And I, I try to maximize whatever I can maximize and whatever my interests are and financially and that sort of thing. But in general, uh, I'm not a, a plotter. I'm like, I'm not a down-the-roader. You know, I have kids. You know, as far as college goes, screw them. They're on their own. Like, like <laughs> they'll be fine. They'll either want to go to college or they won't go to college. They'll either be curious or they won't be curious. Hopefully, they'll be curious. And I'll figure out a way to pay for some of it. But they can pay for some of it, too. Like, I'm not one of those, oh, my God, what's going on next year guys. And uh, I never have been. And, you know, I've been willing to walk away from 
you know, many endeavors just because I figured, well, there's a new adventure around the corner. I don't, I don't look forward to it, but I don't fear it either. It's just there as it, as it was for millions of other people. And it is for millions today. Well, you, like I said, you were the first guy to jump into this whole podcast thing and you, you know, you went right at it right away. What was your thinking? Like after your radio show was done, I know you were real frustrated by your whole experience doing that radio show. Right. And then after it was done, did you just say, let's see where this goes? Cause the podcast scene was not anything. What I mean, how long have you been doing your podcast now? Oh, Almost two and a half years. Yeah, coming up a, on two and a half years. Two and a half years ago, man. Who the fuck had a podcast? You know, right? Well, you were. I did yours. Uh, shit, I don't remember. It was right after your your, your show had closed, and I yeah. remember thinking, "Wow, man, maybe I could do this. Maybe this is something." I was doing too many different things at the time, but I was like, "Wow, this was so much fun! Like, how cool would it be to just have a place where you could just sit down and shoot the shit with your friends and put that out? Like, right. is it going to be real?" Well, but you know, you, what was your thinking after your show? Tell us what, what was it like? Like, what was the radio show like when it was canceled? And, you know, when the, the whole station wouldn't it become a Mexican station or something? What happened? No, it became a like Britney top 40 Spears, or something, yeah. Lady Gaga, top 40, worse. 97.1 became a Mexican R- station, right? Um, the I FM don't talk. I don't know. No, I still I still think they're I, I don't I don't know. I know. I still think they're playing top uh, Lady Gaga stuff. But, who you know, who cares? One right. or the other. Both mind numbing. One one is mind numbing to people who speak Spanish. It was <laughs> mind numbing to people that speak English, but they're mind fucking numbing music both both sides. the The point is, um, well, what happened is uh, they said to me in a, in a sort of weird mind fuck. They said, um, "Hey, listen, uh, we're going to fold the station now." Now, for those who who you know th- don't know. Uh, I replaced Howard Stern on the West Coast. Uh, a guy named Rover did it in the Midwest. And then uh, David Lee Roth did it in New York when the change came about. Uh, the David Lee Roth experiment ended super quickly. fast, super fast. And the Rover thing ended fairly quickly. And then I was around and I was doing well. We were getting, I got bonuses in L.A., toward the end and I would always get bonuses in Vegas and Seattle and Portland and stuff like that. We, we were, you know, we had our ups and downs for sure, but it had smoothed out and we were doing well. And they, and when I say, well, I don't mean conquering the world. I just mean holding our own, getting solid ratings and getting, getting the occasional bonus for being number one. And they flipped the format. They just figured out, look, why are we paying all these guys millions of dollars to talk when we can just play the aforementioned Lady Gaga and just make the same revenue? And it's a business decision. Like, I'm completely cool with it. I, mean, right. not the, I understand. Like, people are always like, aren't you pissed off? Fuck no. It's their, it's their job. They paid me. I had a contract. They paid me out the rest of the year for not doing anything. I, and it's c- completely their prerogative. I get pissed off at personal stuff. I get pissed off when somebody does something intentionally. When the super selfish old neighbor next door says, I would rather watch Jeopardy in peace than have 150 people celebrate the ringing in of the new year. That's a personal bullshit thing. When it's business, it's just business. I understand it. So they were going to flip it, but they said to me two months before they were going to blow up the whole station, they said, uh, we're going to send you to New York. You're going to the number one market and we want you to take over in New York. So, but shh, don't tell anybody. You cannot tell anyone because nobody hears, here knows the radio stations being blown up. And the way radio works is they don't give you two weeks notice. 
they you finish your shift, you walk off the air, and the guy says, "Go get that box with the weird cardboard handles carved into it." You're leaving, and <laughs> they do it for a reason. They don't want you going back on the air, going, "Fuck this station, fuck Jack Silver, fuck these cocksuckers, these fucking guys." Are, you know, they know it, and most DJs are nuts, and that's what half of them will do. So they told me two months in advance, "We're flipping. You're going to New York, and we're flipping. Don't say anything." So it was this horrible two months for me where it'd be like, it'd be like January and uh, my producer would come up to me and go, oh, the, the Wynn Hotel wants us to come back for March Madness and do a special live show at the casino. And I'd be like, yeah, all right. And she'd go, so you want to set that up? And I'd be like, ah, nah, just hold off on that. Well, they want an answer. All right, well then fuck it. Go ahead and do it. Like, but it was like, I knew everything was coming to an end and we were talking about shit to do over the summer and stuff like that. And so it was really right. weird having these conversations. Right. It's like knowing you're going to get divorced and your wife's making vacation plans for the end of the summer and you're going to serve her papers in two weeks. It's like time it's traveling. May, and you're like, she's going, you think Acapulco would be awesome or should we go to Honolulu? And you're like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter to me. Uh. And so at the very end... They said to me, oh, by the way, you're not going to New York, and we are still blowing up the station. Oh, <laughs> and wow. I was like, oh, all right. So that was the end of that. You were going to go to New York? I didn't know. I, I, I had no idea at that point. There are no jobs in radio. There's no way to monetize a podcast. I don't know what a podcast is. I'm not, I don't, I'm not doing live shows at that stage of my career. I got nothing going on in a pretty big monthly nut. And not as big as the one you toss at the wall for the folks who come into the Motel 6 to enjoy <laughs> shortly after you vacate your room, you sick fuck. But it's still a pretty good-sized nut. Right. So I'm sitting there wondering what to do, and my buddy goes, podcast. And I was like, well, how the fuck's Which that Which buddy? Work? Donnie at the uh, warehouse. He says, podcast. And I said, how's it work? He says, you speak your opinion, and you and I are the same way. We, we, like, we like to hear ourselves talk, and we have opinions. And so I said, yeah, fuck it. And I, and I found out, I said, well, how much do you think this is going to cost? He said, you buy two microphones and a laptop and, uh, oh, and then a little bit for uh, bandwidth. And I said, well, how much? Oh, it's like, I don't know, 500 bucks a month or something. And I was like, oh, I guess I could afford that. Let's try it. And then, then it was like nine grand for the first month of, of bandwidth. Oh, and I was like, holy Whoa. shit. And so it got down to me spending like a hundred grand out of my own pocket just to do it pro bono with the notion that one day it might turn into a business. And that's really the process we're in right now. Wow. So how did you go about, I mean, you have like this giant employee, this staff, this huge, this is like a, you have a big room man, all these employees working and people working video switches. And how did you go about finding all these people and putting everything together? Uh, most of the people would hear the podcast and just go like, Hey man, I'm digging what you're doing and I'm a whatever student and, you know, work for seven bucks an hour. And could I come down there? And they just want to be a part of something, you know, right. just in a sort of organic kind of way. I'm sure you've gotten your offers. Yeah. If I didn't have a podcast in my house, that would be much more compelling. But the problem is it's in my house. I don't want some fucking weirdo off the internet. That's how I met this guy. Right. That's what I'm saying. You don't need another, another <laughs> just, slinger just in there. Fucking, uh, yeah. So, um, you had no idea when you first started doing it, that it would ever become what it is now. You were just trying to figure it out and just do it and see what it became. 
I never have any ideas about anything before they are what they are. You know, I, I just set, I just embark upon the journey. Hmm. I, I don't really look that far down the road. I, I mean, I I'm not going to walk off a cliff. I, I trust that I'm moving in the right direction, but I never have expectations and, you know, I have notions. Well, you know, let's, it's sort of like this. It's sort of, you know, you know, I probably got it a lot from, from building because building is a process that goes from shitty to good, which is to say the first part of building is, you know, permits and applications and you cut and checks to the city for nothing and inspectors and plan inspect, you know, plan inspection and all that kind of stuff. And it's nothing. It's just a bunch of money and a bunch of papers. You have nothing. And then you start demoing and digging stuff up and, you know, digging footings and grade beams and blah, 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 and putting in rebar and waiting for concrete and all that. But it's still, it's nothing. There's no shape to it. It's just, it's just a hole in the ground and you're literally dumping money into this hole in the ground. But then at a certain point, the cement dries and you strip away the forms and you start to frame. And when you start to frame, you get to actually see the shape of the structure start to unfold before your eyes. But it's still like it's wide open. It doesn't keep the cold out or the heat in or anything. But you can start to imagine about what it might what it be like to put down that hardwood flooring and to see all the cool top-notch Viking stoves and you know sub-zeros going into the kitchen and all that. Well, that's the part you look forward to. But if you're closing your eyes and picturing your new Viking stove arriving when you're forming your slab, you're going to fuck up your slab. Just focus on the form and know that you'll get to the Viking one day. But for now, you're just forming. Heavy. Heavy That is heavy. That's heavy and correct. I mean, that's that's being in the moment, you know? uh, You sort of have an idea that it's eventually going to come together, but right now you're just framing it. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But let me just form the best way I can form today. Yeah, I don't really plan things out that much either. I mean, this plan, we didn't plan this out. We started this out on a laptop, literally. We were just sitting right in front of one of these, and we had fucking snowflakes coming down on the Ustream broadcast, sure. and we fucked around with music and all kinds of different things. And then uh, eventually we figured out how to do it the way we're doing it now. But it's, it's still evolving. It's still, it's, it's a. Uh, but for us, it's been the best tool ever for getting uh, people to come into the clubs. And that's one of the things that you've done to sort of monetize it. You start doing live podcasts and then live stand-up. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we did the improv together, the Irvine Improv, was one of the first times, I think, or the first time you had ever done stand-up in like fucking 10 plus years. And right. you killed. You went out there and killed and you did it like you'd been doing it all along. It was, oh, it was pretty fun. It was pretty fun to watch. Yeah, I'd, I'd always sort of maybe had it in me, but I never, I never pursued it. I remember talking to you when we did Loveline, fucking many, many years ago, and you were telling me, ah, stand up, the audience. I didn't like the audiences. I didn't like, you know, you know, oh, I didn't like it. I didn't like it. And I was like, wow, that doesn't make any sense to me because you're funny and you like to rant on things. Like, you just condense that, package it, put it on stage. I mean, that it is what it is. Like the rush of making three hundred people plus, you know, laugh, and when you're killing in front of a large crowd, like that, how could you not enjoy that? It's weird because I get less out of that than I get out of what we're doing right now. Really? Yeah, because that's an environment, and and you get the energy of the environment, but right now there's somebody with earbuds 
in each ear and they're either walking their dog or they're walking on a treadmill or they're walking their dog on a treadmill, which would be fun. <laughs> and what we're saying is penetrating deep, yes. you know, and that's yeah. more of a party where you're just kind of getting caught up into it yeah. versus a, a serious deep penetration. And I'm really interested in just sort of taking my ideas and inserting them into you more than I am sort of entertaining you, so to speak. You that's, know what I mean? That's interesting. So why did you start doing stand up then? Just to monetize? The- I just did it for I just did it for the money and I and I did it and you know, it's funny because people do that thing where they go, Hey, why'd you do this or why'd you do that? And the answer is for the money. But it doesn't mean I don't dig it, and it doesn't mean especially, you know, because I've had this this problem in the past where I said, Look, uh, I'm going out to, you know, Kansas City, Milwaukee. And uh, one more place. Will Turn Theater. Oh, Will Turn Theater in, yeah. uh, in May and so on and so forth. And Portland and wherever. And if someone said, hey, you want to come out and do a show for free? The answer would be no. So thus, the answer is I'm doing it for the money. I mean, sad, but it's true. It's not sad. Now, here's the deal. It doesn't mean I'm not going to fucking show up and kick ass. As a matter of fact, if I was doing it for free, I'd just pull up a stool and go Charlie Sheen on your ass. I'm, I don't do that. I, I realize that everyone who's there paid 40, 50, 60 bucks for a ticket. And we're in a theater and I'm going to fucking burn some calories. I sweat through a T-shirt yeah. for you guys telling jokes and trying to amuse you for 90 minutes. So um, would I rather be home watching my TiVo high? Yes. <laughs> uh, am I doing it for the money? Yes. Am I also doing it because I just have the ability to do it? I mean, it comes easily to me. It's not, I'm not trying to sound like a douchebag, but it's like a sport, you know? Mm-hmm. I, it's not a, it's not a grinder for me. It's not a Well, it's because of what you, you do on the podcast. And be, I mean, you can't say it comes easy to you. What, I mean, you can, but I mean, the reason why it comes easy to you is because you're doing, it's like, it's like someone who uh, d- does all this power lifting and plyometrics and throws medicine balls around. And then, you know, and then someone teaches you how to choke somebody. And right, they're like, goes, wow, jujitsu came pretty easy to me. Well, that's because you're a fucking crazy physical specimen, you fuck. Right. And like with you, what you're doing is you're constantly, ranting and constantly piecing together ideas and constantly pointing right. out things that don't that's stand up well, you're no, doing stand up you're right and and it is a muscle that gets exercised yes. but either way when we go do a show I'm not pacing around in my hotel room you know nervous d- ducking salvos of jizz at Brian throws <laughs> like I I'm I it, it 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 it's easy for me when I do it yeah. and so you get paid well it comes easily and why the fuck not? I've actually been enjoying it in in this weird sort of uh, curious case, case of Benjamin Benjamin Buttons where I've been going backwards. You know, like I started off on TV and I'm discovering my stand-up in my 40s, which is insane because everyone else starts off in stand-up and gets away from and it. And you've you only know? been doing stand-up for about a year now, right? Yeah. Like about a, it's about a year. But you've already put together a full hour, you know, and you're... 90 tw- minutes. 90 minutes. Yeah. And you're out there Crazy. crashing. That's amazing. Well... And are you writing this stuff down, or are you just... These are just rants that you categorize? I kind of... The rants that I categorize, and I, and I sort of have cues that help me figure out what it is I want to say. And then it doesn't come out exactly the same every night right, either. Right, yeah. But, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's... 
I, and I sort of mix and match. I, I guess it'd be like a, 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 a jam band that had a bunch of songs and changed the set list up on a nightly basis. And maybe they'd never get that good on one song, but yet <laughs> they could freeform if they had to. And they would never get boring for them because they're constantly mixing the set up. Sort of, sort of that with me. That's I never do my my set the exact same way every time either. I, I mix things up all the time. I know pretty much before I go on stage what I'm going to get into right away, mm-hmm. but I always leave the door open for something else. I always leave the door open if I get on stage and for whatever reason this thought pops in my head, I'll run with that and then eventually get to the planned opening. And then once I get the first bit out of the way, it's it's most more important to me is to get that one solid chunk. Just get that out tight and smash it and then once that's out and everyone's laughing then we're gonna go wherever then yeah. the, the ball's moving the momentum's going let's go wherever the fuck we want to go i'm the same way and it's like that first 20 minutes it just went to be solid you want to get everyone on your side and just get that first like 20 yeah, for me it's very like important 20, 25 minutes and then it's like all right we've established this now we have some room for lateral movement. I, I, uh, I'm really uh, big on that with uh, opening acts, too. I t- always tell them when guys open up for me. I say the best thing you can do out there is don't fuck around in the beginning. Don't, don't, just, don't, don't try a new bit out when you first get on stage. This is a, a cold audience, okay? This is, you know, a lot of guys that are on the road, like I take guys on the road with me, they're used to doing sets in Hollywood, and they're used mm-hmm. to going up and doing 10, 15-minute sets when there's a, you know, a host and a bunch of other people on the show. I'm like, this is a different experience, man. These are people who don't know who you are who are coming to see me. So they're they're willing to let you be funny, but you got to go out there and g- go tight right away. You got to gain their confidence. It's the most important thing. If people don't know who you are, gain their confidence right away. You got to do solid, tight material right up front. Get them laughing and go. All right, this guy's a fucking pro. And then they relax and they settle in. They have a smile on their face and they're looking forward to hearing. And then you're you're smooth. Then smooth sailing. Everything. But if you start off chunky and fucked up and then then you got to, they're like, this fucking guy. Then you got to constantly re-earn their respect. Through your, you'll, you'll struggle through your entire set. It's like going out on a first date by shoving your cock <laughs> through the mail slot. <laughs> Save it for the third date. Let's get the Save confidence. Save it for when she loves you and Let's she knows you're crazy. Let's get the confidence level up. There's a video, or uh, I watched it online, but it's apparently pulled from YouTube, but I saw it the other night. It's uh, HBO's Talking Funny. It's uh, Louis C.K., Ricky Gervais, uh, Chris Rock, and oh, Jerry right, Seinfeld. Right, right. It's fucking great, man. And it's uh, one of the, and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm pursuing this now. It's one of the reasons why I've always thought that this podcast in and of itself could be a television show. I, at, I was trying to pitch a show based around the podcast, but the show that I was pitching, it was like, it was like really produced, and there was all these little segments that we would do every week. And then I thought about it, and I'm like, I don't like that. I'm like, I like the idea of a podcast because I like the idea of people People sitting around and and talking about interesting shit, and it's it's fun and amusing to watch. And it was proof positive to me watching that talking funny thing because it was just four comics sitting around talking about stand up, and it was fucking great, man. Especially Louis C.K. Man, he him and Chris Rock, but Louis C.K. Especially, he's my um, my number one inspiration right now. That guy is uh, I love what he does. I mean, stand up wise, material wise, my favorite guy is Stanhope. I think Stanhope is to, to me. He's he's fucking fully out there. You know, he's he really is a wild fuck getting drunk every night. He lives in Bisbee, Arizona, in a Doug house. Stanhope. Doug Stanhope. When you first said Stan Hope, I thought there was a dude named Stan Hope, oh, like no. Bob Hope's grandson, <laughs> no. is doing yeah. stand up nice. now. I'm sorry, I'm preaching to the converted. Stanhope. 
to the choir. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Doug Stanhope. Because, you know, Stanhope has a fucking house and the windows, sills, and the outside of the house are painted lopsided. He's fucking crazy. His house is like bright yellow. He's with green and shit. And he's a nut. He's, he's, he literally is that guy. He's not, he's not, he's not an act. He's not faking. He does all his shows in rock clubs. He sells all, his, all of his tickets on brownpaperbag.com or whatever the fuck it is, brown mm-hmm. paper tickets. So everything is like all produced in house. Everything he does is all him. He doesn't go through any other normal channels. He has all of his fans. They show up and see him all over the world. And he goes on these fucking drunken Jaeger bomb rants. And they're fucking awesome. I mean, his stand-up to me, like his material to me as a fan is my favorite to watch. I think his, Joey Diaz is still, I think, the funniest guy. And if I'm going to watch a 10-minute set of anybody on the planet, I would watch Joey Diaz. Because Joey Diaz, when Joey Diaz crushes, when he really fucking slams at home, nobody's funnier than him. But as far as like a long set, Stan Hope is the man for me. To me, I, I enjoy his material. No, when, I, but when I really Stan enjoy... Ho- yeah, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, but I really enjoy Louis C.K. I, I enjoy his material as well. I really I think he's a brilliant comedian, but I really enjoy his work ethic. I really enjoy his philosophy on stand-up and how he breaks it down. I find it, as a comic, I find it so inspiring because he throws away his whole act every year. He writes a whole act. He writes a full hour, hour and whatever minutes, films it for whatever, Showtime or HBO, who the fuck wants to buy it, and then he throws it out and starts from scratch and because of that because everybody knows that he does that he's got this massively loyal following people can't wait to come and see him because they know hey we saw louis last year you think he's going to be doing the same material fuck no he's not going to be doing the same material it's going to be all new you know and maybe if you yell out bag of dicks he'll do you know his bag of dicks joke but for the most part this guy's got 90 new fucking minutes every 12 months you know and to me man that's just i hear shit like that and i get fired up like i want to i want to sit in front of the keyboard i want to start writing you know it makes me like it gets me jazzed up i get tired actually <laughs> I, I never i don't know anyone stand up act i've never seen anyone stand up act like i don't know what the fuck's going on i've never you don't watch followed stand up no really? i have no interest interest in it oh you're so it's, that's so I'm funny i'm an idiot i just watch just, yeah, i just watch like uh hitler and color and then i just watch uh, ultimate factories I, i'm such a gearhead really? i have, have a, no interest in comedy which how is, did, why don't top gear why don't they fucking snatch you up uh, fire I, one of those fucking uh, i'm working on a show for uh fire Speed everyone Channel who's not adam at, ferrara as as we're speaking but uh it's weird. I have such a gearhead brain that the second I'm done doing any comedy, my mind shifts to vintage race cars, and I don't. I never think about comedy. That's hilarious! Wow. I, I don't dislike comedy or anything. I just have no idea what's going on. I don't know any of the comedians. I've never seen their act. That's I, crazy. Do you I, worry about like parallel thinking though because of that? Do you worry about like going on this long rant and then you find out oh that's on Pat Oswalt's second CD? Oh, it, it happens. I'm, I mean, it's got to happen. Like I mean, I was just watching SNL. Uh, a couple of weeks ago and Zach Galifianakis got up there and he said something that I'd said on Stern show and on my radio show, you know, 10 years ago. And it was the almost exact joke that I said, I don't think he ripped me off that motherfucker. Don't blame Brody Stevens. I, I just, if you're going to, if you're going <laughs> to name a, a body spray uh, called ax, you're going to, you're going to, there's going to be a, a joke about it that involves the black community. And I, <laughs> And I just happened to say it on Stern and, you know, when right. Axe came out. But I don't think that Zach Galifianakis was listening. No, it could have SNL very easily have. been that SNL did it, that those writers yeah. did it. There's a huge issue. No, that was definitely that was writers. his act. I could tell oh, he was? was do- I could tell he was doing his stand-up. Really? 
Well, like, you know, that thing where you go, look, you want to host SNL. I've never hosted SNL, but you want to host SNL. And you say to a comedian, and instead of collecting a bunch of jokes from guys who don't really know your voice, you just go, fuck it, I'll do my, I'll do a real familiar five minutes of my act at the top. I know it. I'm confident with it. And then we'll get into the rest of the show. That's what it felt like. Do you have any desire to host SNL? No, I, I don't. I wish I did. But uh, I don't. It just it seems like something that doesn't have to do with cars or building to me. You, wow, that's hilarious. You're that much into it. Did, I, that's all I think about, I really. don't have any desire to host SNL. SNL, to me, is like you got to eat 99 pounds of shit to find that one juicy steak at the bottom of it. <laughs> right. You know, oh, there's a juicy 16-ounce T-bone at the bottom of all this shit that I had to eat. I think it's more of a jelly belly, but yeah. Has Dr. Drew ever talked to you about addiction of cars? Because that is an addiction, and it probably you've probably spent a lot of money on yeah, it. Yeah, but what, what is the probably... difference between an addiction and an interest that you get enjoyment out of that's positive? I think when people people throw around that word addiction the all the time. Is. Go ahead. Uh, it's continuing in that uh, activity in in the in the face of adversity, and it's like essentially if your wife says I'm going to leave you if you keep up with fill in the blank. Uh, you know, if your boss says he's going to fire you, if you keep up with the booze mm. drinking or the pill popping or the jizz tossing or whatever, whatever you're doing, uh, and, and you keep doing it and then you lose your job and then you get divorced and then you lose your home, you know, that's addiction. Uh, if you can be, and there's such things as functional addicts as well, but the, the real sort of definition is, is. Is it ruining your quality of life? Like, are you, or are you having trouble? Do with you it? like cars more than you like your job or your wife? That's a possibility well, I do. as well. I, I, I do think about them more, <laughs> but I also understand that it makes me work. Right. Because you need to I want fund the car this habit. and right. I want the garage and I want the whatever. So it, I have to fund the habit just like a junkie has to steal stereos. The first person that ever, <laughs> I was dating a girl in New York, is the first person that ever told me that I had an addiction. And that was pool. I was playing pool eight to 10 hours a day. Oh, really? Oh, she no. made, yeah, I was playing in tournaments. I got obsessed. Wow. I tore my ACL ligament and I couldn't do Taekwondo. I couldn't kickbox for a while. I had to get right. reconstructive surgery and the whole deal. And uh, a buddy of mine, uh, and I started playing pool. And it started out just knocking balls around. Two retards had played in a bar before. You know, I didn't know how to play. And then I met guys that really could play. And when you watch like real pool players, you watch them, and you go, oh, it's about gambling. They're gambling, mm -hmm. and there's money on the line. And then it's about tournaments. And then you know, you get to see pros play. And I just became obsessed with these balls moving around on this cloth and the, the, the fact that you have to figure out exactly how hard to hit the ball to make it collide with this other ball. And you got to judge the angle. And it became a massive obsession. And the girl I was dating said, you have to choose. You have to choose between me or pool. And I said, rack them up. Wow, I had the same the thing with foosball, but so I've been there. <laughs> I'm not saying it wasn't as bad, but it was, it was seven, foosball eight Foosball does not rule. I love fucking foosball. Do you have your own foosball table? I play alone. <laughs> play alone. Because <laughs> that's really all you're really battling in life is yourself. You know what I mean? I love foosball. Foosball yeah, awesome. alone. What yeah. a concept. Yeah, that's the only addiction that I've ever had where someone... Well, and pool again, when I was in Hollywood, when I first came to L.A., I didn't have any friends. So right. the first thing I started doing is just entering pool tournaments. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, now I know what I'm going to do on Friday night. You know, if I don't have a set somewhere, I'm going to go enter a pool tournament. I'm going to find a pool hall to play. And then uh, Sussman pulled me aside and said, I think you're uh, concentrating on pool more than your own career. 
It was true. I wasn't writing any jokes. I was just fucking practicing running out. You know, I was just going over patterns in my head and watching AccuStats tapes of classic Johnny Archer versus Earl Strickland matches from the early 90s. Right. Dissecting his run out. Plus, it was affecting his comedy because I caught him back in the day and he'd be like, all right, so anyway, this dude's playing a Brunswick with a pretty fast felt. And And he goes for the bridge. And felt. Just, I don't know. Everyone's fucked just, up with felt. <laughs> felt. Felt revealed yourself. Oh, man. I got a pee, Joe. What the hell there's time a, is a, it? There's oh. a bathroom right there, man. Go in there and take a left. It is uh, 448. You have to bolt? You, have, you do. Uh, yeah, right? I do. Okay. I got to go. I got to try to beat my warehouse in like the next uh, 25 minutes. <sighs> okay. Well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to pause it, and Brian and I will come out. We'll close it out because we, we're going to do another half an hour because we usually do about two hours. But uh, thank you very much for doing the podcast, sure. man. Like I said, if it wasn't for you and during your po- doing your podcast, we, I probably never would have started this thing in the first place. You're one of my favorite dudes to talk to. You're one of my favorite guys to, to go on your show because you're, you've always got a unique and interesting perspective that I might not have ever considered. You know, and sure. uh, that's, <laughs> there's not a lot of guys like that out there, man. And well, what thanks. Brian Cowan said about you really is true. You you truly are the best at going on these crazy rants that lead to conclusions. Like I'll start ranting off but then 10 minutes into my rant i'll be like what the fuck are we even talking about man fire up that vaporizer you know <laughs> but you'll you'll actually come to conclusions on them and uh you're a very unique cat man the whole thing that you're doing with stand-up and the thing that you're doing with your podcast it's it's great stuff man and thanks just thank you very much for being on the show thank you. so that's it for adam carolla adam carolla's show oh at the will turn is yes. may, may 21st may 21st is this a live podcast show or stand-up, no, stand-up, stand-up show stand-up. yeah jimmy's gonna join me out there too oh, well good I'm, i think i'm home so i'm coming too i'm yeah. gonna be there what day is that that is uh saturday, saturday. May, 21st, may 21st and uh, yeah la is a bitch as we'd always talked about so uh LA's a bitch how? Come on out. It's tough to sell tickets in yeah. LA. It's not do you Seattle fi- or Portland. Find you know? that though. Was it because there's so much shit going on here? What do you think it is? I mean, I'll I'll be I'll be uh, I'll I'll give you the numbers. Like, you know, the Moore Theater, you know, you played the Moore Theater in Seattle that holds, you know, 1800, 1800 people. Uh the Will Turn holds 1800 people or so. And it's like the more sell out on a Sunday night without really burning too many calories. You know, I was like uh, two weeks out where 1400 tickets sold, you know, it's going to go clean as they say. It's good. We'll turn, you know, 850 tickets sold. You know, we got a month ago, so it'll probably be okay, but it's, it's, it's tough sledding. Like you got to fucking get on it and hit it and work it and go, come on people. Yeah. It's going to be a fun night. Whereas the other shows are like, yeah, it's know, running it's with weights on here, right? In sand. Yeah, it, it, it is. There's, there's, you know, it just, it, you know, we're we're going to Milwaukee and we're going to uh, Kansas City and we're going to what the hell's the other place? Uh, you got Milwaukee Friday, got Kansas City Saturday, and you have uh, let's see, uh, Irvine, oh, California sold out. Yeah, twelfth. Uh, if they want, they can go to AdamCroll.com. Go to AdamCroll.com. But uh, yeah, but see, for me, it's my hometown. I'm from LA, right. so it sucks because anyone, it's like a, an Irish fighter fighting. In the you know in dublin and everyone's like eh fuck it we're staying home like it sucks you know for for me this is my hometown and so it's like the will turn is the theater that's like you know that is my holy shit i can't believe i'm playing this place and now i want to fill it up because obviously eh, you play portland and it's half full house that's that's fine 
you don't feel great about it, but that's Portland. You didn't grow up in Portland. I grew up in L.A., so. Yeah, well, L.A. Good. has so many fucking options. That's oh, the problem. There's I know. so many Let's bands, not exercise so many... any of them on the don't 21st. Don't do that, folks. The 21st, yeah, come on out, Wilton Theater. Uh, I'm, I may be in Boston. I'm doing this uh, Kevin James MMA movie. Kevin James is playing an MMA fighter, and I have to play myself. Well, that's tell awesome. everyone hmm. you're going to be there. I w- listen, if I can make it, I will be there. That is Saturday the 21st. Thank you very much, brother. Thanks, Everybody right. else, stay tuned. The YouTube folks, I'm going to walk out of out, and we'll be right back. <laughs> God damn. We're back, bitches. We had to refuel. We had to refire up the cannabinoid synapses. I don't think that's a real phrase. Cannabinoids, I think, are unrelated to synapses. Whatever, bitches. I ain't no scientist. Adam Carolla has left the building. Fucking awesome. So cool having him over. So cool uh, being able to, uh, you know, that's one of the coolest things about podcasts is like there's a whole network of them. You know, I've done Doug Benson's and uh, and Duncan Trussell's and Duncan will be on the show tomorrow at three o'clock, you know, and I did Mark Maron's and uh, I'm going to do Eddie If and um, Jim Jeffries. It's like doing all these podcasts. It's like, you know. It's like there's this cool network of radio stations that's happening organically, you know, instead of like Bubba the Love Sponge and, you know, the Pharrell show all being, you know, stuffed into one thing by a corporation. Like everybody's kind of found themselves and become like this network sort of organically. You know, it's cool, you know, like. Fans of one will hear about the other. You know, like Duncan Trussell got some fans when when you know he came and did this podcast, and uh, I came and did his, and you know we, we you know share each other's listeners and stuff. It's it's really a fucking a very unique thing, you know, th- this podcast thing. And as we said, it probably wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Adam. You know, him him and um, also an Anthony Cumia from Opie and Anthony because Anthony was doing that live from the compound thing. And, and Tom Green and Tom Green, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Can't forget Tom Green. Yeah, Tom Green uh, doing his uh, his show on TomGreen.com, which he, I don't think he does anymore. Yeah, I'm not really sure what he does anymore. I think he went to some kind of subscription-based thing, so I kind of, I don't know. Did you hear, or completely getting off subject, did you hear what happened in uh, Afghanistan? What? The, the, the Taliban escaping out of the prison? No, what happened? Dude, some guy tweeted me this thing, and the guy who tweeted it, it was really funny. He said, uh, in uh that's fucking what was his exact quote i, I don't want to uh, fuck up this guy's quote because it was such a funny situation um they uh they dug 450 taliban fighters escaped out of uh here's what he wrote he wrote 450 plus prisoners break out of jail by digging a hole in the ground an homage to bugs bunny and raising arizona <laughs> <laughs> the guy's name is uh gary with two r's whoever and uh, so I retweeted it, and then I uh, read the uh, the link, and it is pretty fucking fascinating. These guys dug a hole in the ground like a fucking movie and went under the prison and got all the guys out of prison. Wow. Did, yeah. did, uh, did they catch them? No, no. I mean, not yet, but I mean, the whole thing in Afghanistan is, I mean, who's the fucking bad guy over there? They you know? didn't escape. They were all murdered. These fucking guys are <laughs> running around with sandals on in the, in the, in the mountains. And, and, you know, we got drones flying overhead, taking pictures of them, shooting missiles and the hundreds of thousands. Who knows how many thousands of fucking soldiers over there? Who's the bad guy? I don't know. It gets a little fucking blurry. Right. You know, I don't know. I mean, you know, they're, 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 they're evil terrorists and they're attacking the Americans. What are we doing over there? You don't think you, could, you think you could just come into someone's neighborhood and they don't fucking shoot at you? You can't just take over. You know, when you take over, people fight back. And when they fight back, well, who's the fucking 
bad guys. It's some kid who was born in Afghanistan, and this is all he knows, and this is the, the neighborhood he grew up in, and all of a sudden he sees these fucking helicopters fly overhead and tanks rolling around the ground. What would you think? you think you're being invaded. Right. Who's the bad guy? It's, it's very, very tricky, man. I mean, I obviously never would want anything bad to happen to any of our uh, troops overseas, but I also don't want them to do anything bad to all these fucking people either. The whole thing's a clusterfuck. Who knows how many people have become terrorists because of all the shit that we've done overseas? Who, who knows how many people lost family members? Who, who knows how many people who would have been like a, sort of a moderate person who really you know, wouldn't get into this kind of stuff got drawn into it because of tragedy, got drawn into it because of someone they know or they get to watch you know, video footage? When you're dealing with shit like what's going on in Iraq, dude, there's like a, a million dead people over there. Yeah. Over the course of the, the nine years of this war, whatever it's been, a million people have died. Right. That's an insane number of people. I mean, if you stacked a million bodies up in the, in the middle of like Washington State Park and had everybody look, here's everyone that's died in Iraq. Maybe then it would sink in. Maybe then people would really kind of realize how crazy war is. In fact, that this is really how we have to do things in 2011. You know what's crazy is that I didn't know about that, and it would seem that that's something I should know about. You didn't you know, know a million people died in Iraq? No, 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 about this news oh. story you did. But yeah. the other day I'm eating, and it's like, we have breaking news here, and now we're going to go live downtown Los Angeles. Lindsay Lohan is going to jail. Let's, re let's interview the sheriff and blah, blah, blah. And then it was like, wow, this is crazy. Why? Is it, why? They spent like five minutes on it, and then they go, all right, and now for another top news story today, the wedding of the century, and it's those people that are getting married in the U.K., the, the prince or whatever. Have you heard about this shit? I've very it's, peripherally saw it's things on about it. Every single news channel here in the United States. And I, why do I care about some prince getting married? Like, why people is this on love the news? That shit because people love gossip. The news has become like People Magazine. I mean, when you're talking about two wars going on, plus Libya, plus actions in Pakistan with drones, there's a lot of crazy shit going on every fucking day of the week. Yeah. A lot of it. If you're hearing anything at all about Lindsay Lohan and she hasn't killed, Killed fifty people. I know there's something wrong. And I know more about Lindsay Lohan than I do about fucking. All Let me ask you this: Do you think that that is because that the networks are are trying to you know make the 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 easiest to digest sort of program after up. people are tired from work and just give them give the dummies what they want? Is it because the dummies want this, or it's because that's the only thing that's on the air? Is it do they have a mentality that people are dumb and in pushing all this Lindsay Lohan shit? Look, here's the thing, man. I can get into it, too. You know, I, I understand it. I mean, I don't judge people. If, like, Mrs. Rogan likes the gossip magazine sometimes. She mm -hmm. likes, like, reading about things every now and then. And, uh, you know, and I don't, I, I make fun of it. I make fun of it. But I'll fucking, if I'm taking a shit, I'll start reading it. You know, and I'll start reading. Damn, he just left her like that. And what is she doing? Oh, man, she's fucking that guy now? Whoa, this is crazy. And now she's got a baby. I bet he's mad. <laughs> you know, yep. you know and you, it's, it's easy. There's, we have instincts to gossip. And we have instincts to, to follow, you know, silly fucking stories in the news, whether it's about the prince or especially when it's royalty that's when it's so squirrely it's like that prince that guy doesn't do shit he doesn't do shit he's a prince i mean he hasn't done anything he hasn't been elected he hasn't written some awesome books that everybody loves this guy's only famous because he's a prince yeah i mean that's just fucking completely insane yeah. that's that when you get into royalty it's the ultimate form of celebrity you know an entitled celebrity for no reason at least kim kardashian sucks some dicks you know what i mean <laughs> at least you can masturbate to that yeah well you know everybody talks about how kim kardashian's become famous over nothing sort of but no 
No, she became famous because she let that black guy fuck the shit out of her on camera. Yeah, but she's now making millions and millions and millions of dollars. And then you have like these girls working like Jenna Hayes that's not making millions and millions and millions of dollars. And she pretty much does the same shit, but even She better. did it once. She did it once, and it was her boyfriend. And then it, quote yeah, unquote, right. got out. Who knows? What now her family's making 17, what, million a Who knows yeah, how much? Month? It's a lot of money. <laughs> They're making a lot of money. They're making a lot of money. She's everywhere. Yeah. But- who you know? Who knows who the fuck put that video out? You, you can't she really. Did. Maybe she did. Maybe she did. Maybe he did. Who knows? Maybe someone else got a hold of it. Who knows? But the the, the point is, if we knew, even if we knew like that you put it out on purpose, it's okay still. It's like sure. people guess. As long as you say that you didn't put it out on purpose, you get a pass. But if you do put it on purpose, if you make a porno video on purpose, you fuck on camera on purpose, you don't get in. Isn't that strange? Yeah. No, he's not going to give you a fucking TV show. You know, you're not going to get nothing unless it's a TV show on porn and it makes you want to cry. Right. You know, but the, the keep it up with the Kardashians doesn't make you want to cry. You know? Yeah. You watch like one of those inside pieces on Belladonna. Did you ever watch that show? Where they, yeah. They broke yeah. Her down? Right. That yeah. shit made you want to cry, right? Definitely. Yeah. I'm so, glad she's retired now. Hopefully. Maybe. She's happy. Maybe she was happier when she's taking baseball bats in the ass probably look it takes all kinds of people dude to make this world go around yeah but for it is a weird thing though that you're allowed to do it as long as you at least claim that you you did it on accident that it got released on accident but if we suspect that you put it out on purpose you actually made your own sex video and released it i think or i think it's pretty easy to get a video out nowadays because i've i've been realizing how many recordings now i've made of myself that oh, i just shit. accidentally tweet the other day i accidentally tweeted something that i thought was a direct message out to everybody and, oh, yeah? and then i was like wow that's close i caught it right away and my what was it uh a video. I love you, baby. A video. It was a video. Yeah. Some sexy time video? No, no, no. It was a video of... But it could have been sexy time. It was cheesy video. Like a cheesy, like, oh, let's make a video together. Oh, Ooh, cute. Yeah. And then accidentally put it out. You know, like I was try, so trying... So did you delete it? Huh? Yeah, I deleted it right away. There was only one person supposedly that commented on it, but like 170 people saw it. And, yeah. and I'm like, probably fuck. Like hate you. If there's just one person in there that grabbed that video... That would have been awful. How embarrassing is the video? It's not that embarrassing. It's just gay. <laughs> it's just like gross gay. Even the way you said it's not that, you lisp <laughs> when you gay. say it's not that embarrassing. So gay. It's not that embarrassing. You, you, you like submitted to yourself. You crawled inside yourself. It, it creeped me uh, out when I, saw, when I realized I did it. I was well, like, was, Well, give us the, the Cliff Notes version of what's on the video. Uh... Being, uh, we did. I didn't want to play it. At least I don't have it on. I, I deleted it. Whoa. I, I was like, get, get it off everything. I could. Wow, I don't. It's that embarrassing. Well, give me the cliff notes. What does um, it say? It was like I'm laying in bed at seven in the morning, and my girlfriend's like laying on top of me, going, "Wake up, wake up!" And I'm like, "No, don't. I love you, girl." You know, shit like that. <laughs> I love you, girl. Is I don't that know how you talk to her. I don't know exactly. Do how you it talk was. to her and pretend you're in a movie. I love you, baby. No, you? no. <laughs> If you don't know how to deal with chicks, maybe that's the best way to do it. Actually, just it, pretend you're like in a Tom Cruise movie. I did. We did a, another blackout podcast, and it, it was we started drinking at well, like midnight, and right. then we got we drank a whole bottle of vodka and two huge glasses of grape vodka. Oh shit! And dude. an hour, and so oh uh, <laughs> it's me and Veronica Ritchie. Oh my god! And it, it uh, but what's so hilarious? It starts off. Veronica Ritchie girl is a penthouse. Yeah, pet. Yeah, but the beginning of it was really awkward conversation because she's super shy, and then the end. She's what? Super shy. 
Super shy. Her how whole is, family's is shy. Her how whole could, family's really shy people. They're all just fucking each other, right? Is that what's going on? <laughs> I asked that. Yeah. That's how drunk it became. Yeah. And, and then there was one point where she 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 went to stand up and she fell and did like a backflip. So wait a minute. You've known this chick for a while, man. Yeah. And that's the only time you've ever talked to her about molestation? You did it on a podcast? Yeah, yeah it was pretty pretty great. <sighs> did she respond? Uh, you should listen to it. No, I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> just give me what happens. She said, uh, she's, uh, I don't know, I don't remember. I, what? I blacked you don't out. Remember whether I blacked or not out. She said she'd been molested. Dude, please. Uh, you remember. I blacked out. She said she's been molested. I don't remember. I blacked out. That's ridiculous. You're the worst actor ever. No, I'm not being serious. Soap opera. I, I swear to God, I haven't listened to re listen okay. to it because I don't re listen to my You're shit. I don't sit around, sit around and listen to my fucking self again. Do they cancel do all the soap operas, man? I know they canceled. Ca they canceled two big ones the other day uh, when they, and they canceled. Uh, the hospital one last year. See, why do I know about this? Soap operas might as well be opera. <laughs> it's awful. It might as well be opera. Like, what are you, you're doing something that's old and stupid, all right? And the idea that you're going to have this crazy running drama every day and, like, what's going to happen? And she comes home and finds him with her. And it's just every day there's drama and crazy music and... What a weird way to live, man. Fucking stone, Joe. Hell yeah, you are, We kid. did two volcanoes. You got back in. You, do you dove right back in, son. Uh, Look, we, we dove in just an hour ago, and you dove right back in. Have you ever tried one of the fake vi the volcanoes that's like a, a copy of it, like a generic copy of the volcano? No, I haven't. It's called like uh, the wave or something. I forget what it's called, but I just wondered if you... Because it's only $90 compared to whatever the volcano is, like $400. Yeah? I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't go budget on vaporizers. No? Yeah, it seems like complicated, man. It seems like there's a lot of shit going on there and electricity and it's heat. And anytime there's heat, I say you got to get the best thing because you don't want things burning through the fucking cord and blowing up in your house or whatever some cheap piece of shit would do. Yeah. Just get, that's, get the stuff that's going to work. And that volcano thing, what we're talking about is a vaporizer. And what vaporizing is, ladies and gentlemen, is for the health conscious amongst us, the stoners that don't want any of those bad, nasty bits that you take in from burning smoke, which apparently is not nearly as bad for you as tobacco smoke, but it's got to be somewhat bad for you. It's just smoke. I mean, I don't know. It, it, it does. It has some health benefits. It's an expectorant, and apparently, it's very good for people when they have asthma. People have asthma. At least some of them uh, have reported that they have uh, a benefit from uh, from smoking from smoking the pot. But what the vaporizer does is it cuts out all the health problems. It just it heats it up, but doesn't burn it. So and it blows air through it, and it releases this THC mist, and that is collected. In one of these, and what this is, is uh, you hear it, the iTunes folks, it's a, a plastic bag. At the end of it, it has this little nozzle, and you just suck out the pure THC. And if you suck out enough, you can see aliens. And by the way, the volcano, I've tried every single kind of vaporizer known to man, and the volcano is the only one that I, I recommend. If you're going to get one, get the volcano, because that shit works, where the other ones, you have to, you're have you trying to adjust the temperature right, and sometimes you're, it feels like you're not getting anything, then other times it's yeah. like you got too much dark smoke for some reason. All that shit is just too ridiculous. Just The this volcano thing, does it. Yeah, it just figures out just how to works. do it. But I see how people don't want to pay that money, much money to get high. Yeah. That's, I was on Craigslist looking, and they, there was a lot of those generic ones on there. You know, the only reason why all this shit costs so much is because it's illegal. It's the only reason. The only reason everything costs so much because it's illegal. Marijuana should be cheap as fuck. It's a plant. It's easy to grow. It's a goddamn weed. It doesn't even get sick. It doesn't rot. You know, you ever, like, look at some trees, and there's all bugs fucking them up? Bugs don't fuck up, reefer. Step back, bitch. 
You don't even have a chance. Bugs don't have a chance. Reefer doesn't need pesticides. Like people always say, what happens if they put pesticides in your weed, man? Yeah. You can get like DDT poisoning, bro. That's what's wrong with weed. No, you don't need it. It doesn't need pesticides. It doesn't get sick. It's not like all these pussy-ass plants. It's one of the toughest Pussies. plants that's ever existed. It's the best fiber. The fiber that you make out of hemp, like when you make hemp jeans or clothes, or pe- it's not. It's like so much more sturdy than cotton. Mm-hmm. And the paper, like hemp paper, is so superior to cotton. It all became illegal. Most people don't even know this. But it became illegal back when they figured out a, a more effective way to process the hemp fiber. It was legal forever, but it became like something that people stopped using because cotton became so much more easy to process. They came up with the cotton gin. And instead of just having slaves pick the cotton, which was a huge pain in the ass, then they could run it through this fucking machine and it made it way easier. And so people were like, fuck this hemp. Because hemp fiber is like really tough stuff. And you got to break it down. Have you ever watched like manual breaking down of hemp fiber? It's a laborious process, man. Because the fucking stalk of this plant, this is like an animal or a, an alien plant, rather. It's a, an incredible plant. Like it's the fibers like super fucking tough and strong. You make the best rope out of it, the best cloth out of it it's like so superior but it takes a long time to turn that fiber into cloth or paper it's really difficult to break down and then in like the early 1930s a guy came out with a machine called a decorticator and what the decorticator did was allow them to process it just like the cotton gin processes cotton allows it to smash it down into this this pulp and make it more much more usable like almost immediately and then that's when they said, fuck this. And that's when pot became illegal. Pot became illegal entirely because of hemp, which has nothing to do with the psychoactive properties. It became illegal because of William Randolph Hearst, who was running newspapers, and he also had paper mills. And they were going to make people start using hemp paper. That was going to be the shit. Because you could, you could take like a forest full of trees and you chop them down. Well, you're fucked because you don't have any more trees. You know, it takes a long-ass time for those trees to grow back. But hemp, you grow it every four months. You'd have a new fucking crop. I mean, you could use the same property over and over and over again. It's renewable, and you get much more paper. So this motherfucker was going to have to spend millions of dollars. So them and DuPont, William Randolph Hearst and DuPont, they got together, and they said, hey, what we'll do? We'll fucking say that pot makes um, blacks and Mexicans rape white chicks. And that's all they did. That's what they did. That's literally what they did. They started printing stories, William Randolph Hearst did in the paper, of this new drug called marijuana. And what marijuana was had nothing even to do with pot. The original name for marijuana was a slang for a wild Mexican tobacco. So they call it marijuana and then say blacks and Mexicans are smoking marijuana. So when Congress made hemp illegal, when they made uh, marijuana illegal, they didn't even know they were making hemp illegal as well. They fucked everybody. And they did it in 19 fucking 30 something. It's amazing that that shit is still going on. It's still illegal in the age of the internet where all the information is at your disposal. Everything. You can Google search every fucking study ever done on pot and you can see right away that most people want it legal. Who's stopping it? Oh, people with money. Why are they stopping it? Well, because they're making money on marijuana being illegal. And they're using that money and they're bribing politicians and that's how they keep it in place. Fuck, really? In 2011, you can be that open. It's that open where you can see so clearly 
It's so sick, man. It's sick. It's sick that we live like this. It's sick that you can put people in jail for wanting to smoke a joint and kick back and listen to some good music and, you know, eat some food and have some great conversation with friends and not hurt anybody. And yet cops can come and lock you up in a fucking cage for that. It's ridiculous. We know what drugs are bad, folks. We know. We have to stop letting people tell you that the drugs that are good are bad because they're fucking wrong. There's ones that are bad. Don't do meth. Don't do heroin. Or if you do, you got to be a musician or something. You know, heroin seems to be okay for musicians. Did you see it a, kills you, though. Did you see that guy, uh, Bat, what's his name, Batista? The Strike Force guy? Yeah. Did you see his uh, thing on TMZ the other day? No. He, uh, he was talking about how his deal got cut you know from when the 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 merger with the ufc and the strike force and stuff like that do you think that's something do you know anything about this guy or no i don't know anything more than uh i saw there was a headline on uh mma.tv or mixedmartialarts.com yeah i saw that but i didn't read it it's not interesting to me not interesting no not really i mean he seems like a nice guy i wish him well but you know i'm I'm interested in young guys that are coming up and i mean occasionally a guy like lesnar you know i mean but lesnar was like a serious wrestler you know yeah like a serious amateur wrestler like that's what made him exciting it wasn't just that he was a big guy is this guy not a like i don't believe so i don't know though i'm i really don't know his background right he just but i I feel like i would have heard about him the way i heard about lesnar when lesnar was a wrestler back when he was doing pro wrestling i had heard about what a freak he was right like people were, were talking about what a crazy specimen this guy was dude there's a fucking video of him uh, we've talked about it on the podcast before, but it's worth, it's worth repeating. It's, it's so ridiculous. He was 300 pounds, solid muscle, right? He gets on top of the fucking turnbuckle or whatever the hell it is, stands on the ropes, and flips through the air and lands on his head. Yeah. Lands on his fucking head. He flew through the air and landed on his head, and he was still conscious. And he climbed on top of the guy and still got the pin. Wow. And you watch it, if you watch it, you watch him do that, and you go, that's supposed to kill people. How did that not kill him? Yeah. Like, who, who is this guy? How, could, how the fuck could that guy survive that? It's supposed to snap your neck and break every fucking bone in your spinal column. It's supposed to be just chaos for you after that. Meanwhile, he, like, finishes the match. It's ridiculous. So he was already this guy where people were like, this Brock Lesnar guy, man. You ain't never seen a heavyweight move like that guy. You know, we had heard about his fucking times, and that was like one of the things they talked about during his wrestling days, was his times in the NFL Combine. You know, the NFL Combine is, you know, it's like, um, I actually can pull up the numbers because it's so ridiculous. It's, it's worth reading. But the NFL Combine is when they take um, athletes and they, um, you know, they run them through these tests like the 40-yard and, you know, see how fat. Let me find it real quick here. Um, I was going to say something. I'm completely stoned now. Brock and Shane, here it is. Here, let me read this to you right here. This is his, his crazy fucking numbers. The 40-yard sprint, 4.6 seconds. He's 290-something pounds, okay? 4.6 seconds. That's like eight times faster than you can do. <laughs> I mean, stop and think about that. 40 yards, 4.6 seconds. That's a, that's a fast 40. 225-pound bench press, 43 repetitions. 43 of 225. What the fuck? His vertical jump, 35 inches. His broad jump, 10 feet. He hurls 300 pounds, 10 feet through the fucking air. That's ridiculous shit, dude. That's a freak. 
You know, so we had heard about that shit like right. when when he was around. We we'd heard about that long ago. And so when I heard that he was going to go into uh, to to MMA, I was like, holy! I was there for his first fight. I saw his first fight live. It was at uh, L.A. at the Coliseum. It was for uh, K1. Took this fucking dude down, just smashed him. And I remember looking at that, going, "Who's gonna fuck with that?" Like, that's a dangerous motherfucker. Some freaky guy who can get on top of you and just punch your brains in. And try stopping it. Good luck, you know? To, of course, you know, Cain Velasquez eventually did stop it, but he was another, another freak specimen. Yeah, when's, when's the rematch for that? Well, it's not going to happen unless Brock gets by uh, Junior Dos Santos. That's going to be in June. Right. Junior Dos Santos and him are coaching this season of the Ultimate Fighter, and then they're going to meet up in June. How's Brock's training right now? Have you heard anything about it? I haven't it? heard anything other than he's back with Greg Nelson, who is uh, the guy who uh, runs uh, Minnesota uh, Mixed Martial Arts, and he's awesome. I'm a big fan of that guy. I'm a big fan of his, his coaching, and his, you know, he does great work. He formulates good game plans. He's a, a real student of the game, and you know, he's, his fighters are all always well-trained, you know, all of his guys very smart and well-trained he's he handled shirk and he's got you know uh, a couple of the uh, young guys coming up like um what the fuck's his name uh the guy that just won a decision um fuck i hate that they uh, opened up a gracie jiu-jitsu oh the carney um what's that they opened up a gracie jiu-jitsu in burbank right down the street from me did they yeah are you gonna join no why not i, I, I took a photo of it that's pretty get in cool. there dude get in there take a woman's class <laughs> Take a spin class. Go to, go to the Gracie Spin. Class. Have you been to Gracie Spin yet? Take the women's class, dude. Step aerobics. They have ribbons. Remember those ribbons with the sticks? Um, get in shape, girl. You used to do that. You used to tell me all the time. You used to do get in shape, girl. By the I, way, have I, you I seen did. this? That guy? Did you ever watch that guy's animation that he did for uh, Burt Kreischer's uh, Staples video? No. Uh, or when or Barnes and Noble when he used to work out in the basement of that bookstore. Uh, somebody put it to animation. The same guy that did the first one. It's fucking brilliant. You gotta watch it. Really? Yeah. The guy's great. What's it about? <laughs> Fuck my lesson to you, man. You gonna do uh, women's classes? That's been. I told you. Get in shape. A pink kimono on and, and, and just look like a dyke. Shave that's, your face. That's, that's what I'm gonna do. Just go and say you're a dyke. That's what I'm gonna do. Do they allow transgender in women's classes? Like if you were a man and you decided to become a woman, do they allow you to take women's classes? Well, you're allowed to when you get post op or whatever. Even if you're not fully, you're allowed to go to the women's restroom. Are you really? Yeah. Post op or whatever. You know. You know that's you... Uh, what the supposedly was behind that woman getting beat up in that McDonald's. Uh, oh my god! Did you hear about that? That's yeah. fucking crazy. Supposedly that's a transvestite. Really? Yeah. That's <sighs> a man who dresses like a woman. I. That's that's crazy that we know about McDonald's. Well, that video is huge. <laughs> I haven't that seen the video part. Yet. You haven't seen it? No. It's pretty ruthless. Those really? girls beat the fuck out of that wow. girl, and they keep going back. They keep kicking her, and then the girl kicks her when she's down, kicks, boots her in the head, and the girl starts convulsing. Oh god. Yeah, it's pretty rough. It's pretty rough. And people are like, oh, that's so fake. That looks so fake. Tell you what wasn't fake. That big, gigantic kick to the head. Yeah. That shit was real. You know, it's very possible. You, people don't know. People go into convulsions. It's very possible that someone can have a seizure from heavy brain trauma like that. Very possible. Don't think it's not. You know, the girl really kicked her in the head. Like, it was, it was real. They stomped her head, you know. Ugh. It was pretty rough. And, uh, you know, the manager's trying to keep the girls off of her. He can't. He's ineffective. Everybody got fired. The whole thing is, is, is it's pretty crazy. But the idea was that she was a, a he-she, and she was going in the, the woman's room. That's what I read. Whether or not that's true, I haven't, I don't know if they've interviewed her and 
got the whole full deal. See, this is like another form of soap opera. You know? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Antoine Dodson got arrested for marijuana possession. Did you hear? Did he? Yeah. Run and tell where? that. Home, home, home boy. Somewhere in Alabama, I think. Oh. What's he doing in Alabama? That's probably where he lives. No, I thought he moved back to L.A. I heard they, he, he was uh, living in L.A. now, and they were filming a new show with him out here. Really? Yeah. Maybe he went back home to say hi to the homies, oh. and he got busted. Hi, homies. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah, back then, man, <laughs> you still can get busted. Back there, rather. Back there is back then. That's funny, because I said back then, you know, meaning like Alabama. But it is back then in time as well. You know? I mean, that's really what it is. I'm saying back then because I'm thinking of it as it being in like the 50s. You know, I should have said back there, but back then is more appropriate. They live in a fucking time warp. Yeah. Stupid ass place where you can get fucking arrested for. Oh, do you hear about the Rhode Island guy? Here's another one. I love hearing about politicians to get fucked up. This guy who is a um, he was a uh, anti marijuana house minority leader, Robert Watson. He was arrested for alcohol and drug charges. They pull homeboy over and uh, he failed the, sub- the field sobriety test. So then. Um, they, uh, they, they grabbed him and they uh, searched his pockets and they find out he's got a, a plastic bag filled with pot and a wooden pipe. So this fucking dummy who is this anti-pot guy is, uh, gets busted with pot. You know? And that to me, you know, you, 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 that's like a, a gay guy who's secretly gay who votes against gay marriage. And that they, should be, they should be locked up. You're, that's like a, that's like a, you're like a traitor. You're like a traitor for humanity. Like, yeah. you're a bad person. Like, if you really want to lock people in jail for pot and yet you enjoy pot, you're a shitty human being. You're willing to put your own personal gain ahead of the betterment of the people. You, you're willing to take something that you know is not right and push it because you think more people are going to agree with you because it's the, the contemporary opinion, mm-hmm. you know? And that's a, that's a really shitty human being. That guy, you know, I hope that guy is ostracized from the political community for life. I hope they never allow him back. And it's sad, but they probably will. He'll probably eventually show up somewhere else and apologize or become a Christian or, or something stupid, and, and they'll, they'll suck him right back in. Enough people will believe in him that he'll get some shitty job at some shitty little fucking community where they won't bother Google searching what a douchebag he is, you know? Hopefully he gets eye herpes. I, I Do you know that shit exists where you can get really? herpes on your eyeball? Really? Yeah. And it breaks out like once once a month or whatever. Oh, my whenever God. Whenever it happens. I heard of a story, and I don't know if it's true. So, internet, do your research. Right. A wrestler was on a, 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 in the middle of a match. His contact fell out, put his contact back in his eye, got staff from the contact oh. lens, and died. <sighs> Is this true? I have no idea. This could very easily be one of those urban myths. But uh, I heard the story, and I was like, that is the scariest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life. You know, you eyeball staff that winds up killing you just because a contact lens fell on the ground, and the ground is so fucking polluted. You know, there's so much funk and fucking human slime on that ground. That staff is some scary shit, man. Remember how scary, like, websites like Rotten.com used to be? Fuck yeah. <laughs> what was the one, the other one that was really bad? Uh, not Rotten.com, but uh, the one that had, like, the red and black. And it was, yeah, uh, I don't remember. It I was, know what you're talking about, I remember about, I would, though. like, be scared to go there. Yeah, there was a few, there's a few sites to this day that I won't fuck with. Yeah. But somebody posted up a video the other day of... Uh, a Mexican lady cutting some dude's head off. Oh no! I watched the whole thing. You what? I don't know. What I'm the fuck done I with that. I was weak. I, I was weak. I shouldn't do have it. done it. They, they, she, she didn't just 
cut off his head. She did a lot of other shit to him too. Oh no! And they, there's a video of it. And they they show the guy dying. I mean, they, they show her, and I'm I was amazed at how how much. I've gotten over the impact of those things. Shit's you know, it up. used to be I would watch that and it would haunt my dreams. Like the first time I ever saw Faces of Death, uh, and I, I realized these are really bodies. Like Faces of Death, some of the Faces of Death were, um, I don't know if it was exactly Faces of Death, but one of those type of videos, I remember one of them was super disturbing. It was in some Middle Eastern country where they were killing a guy by tying him in between two trucks and pulling him apart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Remember the blood orgy? That was completely fake, right? I don't remember that. The blood orgy was where they had a body in the middle and they were like eating it. Oh, yeah, it that was fake as fuck. That looked fake as fuck. Right. Yeah, that looked stupid. The train chick was always the one that scared me the oh, most. Oh, the girl steps in front of the train and yeah. gets like, smashed. And oh, my body God. flies towards the camera. Yeah. Oh, uh, my God, that's hard. Yeah. Monkey oh, brains. Oh, I forgot about that train one, man. I forgot about that train one. Woo! And monkey brains. Monkey brains was rough. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, that's a monkey. I don't really care that much about a monkey. Still I mean, I'm not happy that a monkey dies, but... You want to see monkeys get fucked up? Watch the chimps fuck up the monkeys. Yeah. You know, that's the most disturbing monkey shit online. Mon- is watching chimps eating monkeys while they're alive. Yeah. So monkey brains. I don't even know if that was real. Yeah. I, was I, it? Who knows? I used to have the face of the death. I've talked about this. I, I, maybe not on the podcast. but I used And the to UFC. UFC. Because, and that was our scary tape. Like, we'd be like, <laughs> guys, I got UFC number two and fear f- or, or whatever, the faces of death. Yeah. So we'd go and, you know, watch that shit and. Yeah, they used to disturb the shit out of me. Like that video of the guys getting pulled together, pulled apart by the trucks. Yeah. That that fucking haunted me for days. Yeah. But now I can watch it, and it's oh. like it's so much easier to digest. My, my favorite one was well, not my favorite. The most disturbing one where that guy gets like sh- shot in the stomach and goes ay 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 or whatever it was. Oh la la, and he what? falls down. Uh, I didn't see that one. You didn't? Oh, the, no. that that was one of the best of the. I think it was Faces of Death too. It was like a he guy. Said, ay, ay, ay. Yeah, he goes ay ay ay, and he falls down. And we used to always say that. Oh, growing really? up, we're like ay ay ay. How about Bud, Bud Dwyer? Bud Dwyer is the most uh, disturbing yeah. one ever. Was that on the Faces guy who of got? Death? He was. Uh, was on one of those fucking things. Might not have been Faces of Death. I got a couple of other ones too. Yeah, I should have never watched those though. That's. But I don't know. Do you think that it's bad that you become desensitized? Because I'm not desensitized <sighs> to it in real life. You know, or do you, what do you think? I don't it think it's good for your soul. Like, <laughs> I think, I think after I saw a de- the beheading yeah. video, the famous Iraqi beheading guy, I think after yeah. seeing that, I'm like, you know what? I'm cutting myself off of that. I'm just not going to do that anymore. There's no reason. I don't need to see it. I see what it looks like. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement. But yeah, you still do it all the yeah, time. Yeah. I still watch it. <laughs> not all the time. Most of the time, I'm, um, most of the time, I'm avoiding it. But every now and then I'll get stupid, and I just get weak. Because it's a horror movie to you. Well, it's a little bit of that, and a little bit of I don't have anything particular that I need to be looking at, right. so I just decide, hmm, let me see what the fuck's on this. Hmm, let me see what's on that page. And then I'll see it, I go, all right, let's click it. Let's just click it. Let's see what, what it is. You know what I think the best movie for you ever is if they made like a horror movie, kind of like a fr- Friday the 13th, but it was like Friday the 13th, but the porn mixed in with it like there was like there was like six girls staying at this hotel you know are you projecting your own fucked up weird shit on me (laughs) no i think that would be your favorite movie ever no i don't like friday 13th movies werewolves Uh, yeah i like werewolf movies i've tried to figure out why what the fuck that is i guess somehow or another knowing that deep inside people there's some some sort of an animalistic nature that 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 is almost like a wolf you know because you're a werewolf no i'm not yeah you're just a person you're a (laughs) What the fuck is wrong with you? The werewolves don't exist, stupid. <laughs> That's what you, I remember when Twilight was big, you used to always say, you're a werewolf. <laughs> oh, 
Brand, you're going to give me a bad reputation with these lies. I don't think that's cool, man. We're friends. You can't just fucking put shit like this. And put it, and next thing you know, it'll be on my Wikipedia page. Oh, that's going to become Here that's the next go. thing on the Wikipedia page. I'm not saying that you should put in that during the Twilight days, Joe Rogan often said that he was a werewolf. I'm not saying you should put that on there. But if it's on there, I ain't hating. You know what I'm saying? I ain't mad at you. I'm already on some man shit. You know, because when they, when when he, when uh, Dale Wright said that, you're on some man shit. I, I, I somehow another said something about putting it on um, on Wikipedia. And apparently, it's up there, man. That shit's hilarious. I don't fuck with my Wikipedia, so if you want to write some I got fake shit from, about I me. I got banned from Wikipedia. I, I support your fake writing shit about me on Wikipedia, as long as it's funny. You know, just be funny with it. Just have some fun. Who the fuck, man? You know, it's, it's the whole idea about those things is silly. You know, you're, you're, you're going to allow everybody to just contribute shit. How are you going to know? How are you going to ever know? How are you going to ever know unless someone corrects it? What if they don't correct it? What did you get banned for? Did you I don't know. My, my IP was banned, and I've never... I don't think I've ever used Wikipedia, and then one day it just started being banned. So now I'm thinking like an ex-girlfriend was like at my house going, oh, I might say Britney Spears is not as hot as my name Whoa. or something like Do that. You, you know? really think that you – first of all, you let chicks use your uh, your computer or they did it with their own computer? Do, like their own computer. You, you know don't what I mean? No chicks use your computer. You got to right? stay off my IP address. Yeah. When you when you have a chick over your house and she starts fucking with your email, do you, you, do you go, hey, hey, oh, hey, no. hey, 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 hey. Uh, well, I'm – What the I'm, fuck I'm, are you doing? I'm pretty good nowadays. Like I, I'm not like some – Have you ever I'm, had that happen though? Yeah, I, w- I would assume the, that in the past. You? Yeah, because you're always into yeah. all kinds of weird shit and dating all these weird girls. Well, like when it, you, it's you, mostly you, ex-girlfriend talk. Like, hey, yeah. what's this email with your ex-girlfriend uh, about? You know, so, or something like that. You look through your emails to find that shit. I don't know. Yeah, had to. Had to be looking through your emails. How else would she know? Yeah. So she goes in your computer, looks through your emails, and goes, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah. And then what do you got to say? Uh, you just tell them the truth. I mean, mm. like it's just them overreacting on things, you know. Like, mm-hmm. hey, look, this is my ex-girlfriend. You know, I dated her for seven years. I can talk to this person, you know. And then the music starts playing. <laughs> this is the beginning of a beginning of a music video from the 90s. You know, like Orange Juice Jones. I call you and him walking, walking in, in the rain. rain. Um, this weekend, Toronto is uh, basically sold out. The only tickets that are available for the Massey Hall show... It might be Macy Hall. Macy, Sorry. Yeah. Macy Hall, Massey Hall, whatever the fuck it is. Friday night, um, the only tickets that are available are like single <clears> seats by themselves. And uh, I'm fucking super psyched. I'm super psyched to, to get to Toronto. And I'm super psyched to be bringing my man Sam Tripoli fuck, with me. Yeah. Sam the Slayer. Him and Shady his Sam. Hawk. Yeah, Shady Sam Tripoli. He's, he's awesome. And uh, then the UFC, of course, is the next night. So it's going to be the shit, son. I can't wait. We are doing Sal's Comedy Hole tomorrow night, and that'll be okay. uh, at 8 o'clock. Yeah, 8 o'clock in Hollywood. Why? Why, do you, why are you frowning? Oh, I didn't know that. I haven't put together any. Do you yeah. know? All right. Um, call Sal. All right. Tell him, tell him what the fuck well, they asked. Up. They asked me today if we were doing it. I hadn't heard anything Shazam, about it. Shazam, son. Now we know. Okay. Now we know. Well, t- yeah, I'm, uh, I might be doing a, a show at a, a pot shop in... Um, in uh, Toronto on Thursday night too, so, Tripoli and I. There's apparently some underground pot thing going on in Toronto, and uh, they have shows there. Oh, too much. you already shit. know too much. So uh, that might be going down on Thursday night too. I'll keep Sweet. you freaks posted. Did Doug Benson get a hold of you? He yeah, yeah, to- he's going to be on the podcast May 11th, and tomorrow, 11th. tomorrow, which is uh, April 27th, Duncan Trussell is coming on Whee! at three o'clock. So that should be awesome, bitches! I can't wait. Yes. Um, thank you to uh, the Fleshlight for sponsoring our podcast, and if you go to JoeRogan.net, 
on the right hand side there's a link for the flashlight if you click it and enter in the code name rogan you get 15 percent off the number one sex toy for men it is awesome brian and i have both fucked it on numerous occasions and we give it two thumbs up correct, get the brian? jenna hayes one the get jenna the jenna hayes, hayes one. one in support of jenna hayes because she was on the death squad pod- podcast and yeah. she seemed like she was very cool she's like a nice person right she, she did a she was nice but she did a what it sounds like when she has an orgasm mm-hmm. on it and it was like a minute long or something like that it was fucking beautiful like, really Amazing. She's uh, she's funny, you know. Like she just embraces being a slut, you know, and and talks about how funny it is, and like her whole thing, how she controls everything. No music while the sex is going on, and she doesn't like big, long, stupid scenes. She just likes. Like, she does it all herself right too, man. Yeah. She's got thirty. She she's won more awards in porn than anyone. It's amazing. She's like she's an OG, the Hicks and Gracie of yeah. porn. Fuck yeah, is that what it is? Yep, she is right. Yeah. So you liked that? That was uh, good. It was an amazing interview. Well, maybe we'll we'll get her on this show too. That'll be Definitely. fun. Definitely. Fucking, we'll have to do it at your place. Yeah. Can't get any skanks. No. Can't happen. No. Um. Thank you, everybody, and uh, we will see you all tomorrow. And um, oh, uh, May, May something or another. San Francisco tickets are on sale. And yeah. They're already more than half sold out. So uh, all my friends that uh, want to. Uh, come to uh, the shows in San Francisco. It is uh, May uh, 12th, 13th, and 14th. And uh, like I said, the tickets are all, they're, they're selling very fast, so I don't want to get anybody to get left out. And uh, that'll be Cobbs. Joey. Yeah, Cobbs. that's at Cobbs. And that'll be Joey, and I think Ari's going to do it too. And you're coming too, right? Yeah. What, bitches? Yeah. All right, my friends, we'll see you tomorrow with our pal and one of the best podcast guests ever, Duncan Trussell. As always, I love you, bitches. Later. Later.